Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It is Thursday, October 24th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, In These Times, writer Miles Camp Lassen returns. And it's the long-awaited return of former host of Chicago Newsroom, or Ben calls the Kenny D Show, our good friend, Kenny Davis. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Benny J. Benjarovsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this the greatest idea ever Thursday. Whoa. And here's why. So, folks, as we enter day six, or is it day eight? I'm losing track, D, of the teacher strike. Six. Oh, it's six. Great. Very good. Well, the Tribune says eight, but we'll go in with six, all right? Because Tribune counts weekdays, weekends, where the kids don't go to school anyway. Well, we're counting them anyway. All right. As we enter day six of the teacher strike, I've discovered the greatest solution ever to our problems. It came to me in a moment of inspiration, folks, as I was running to catch the train today. Running up the street to catch that train. That's here's how my, that sounds, listeners. Him catching the train. And here's my idea. Let's call off school for the rest of the year. All right? Oh, okay. Now I know what you're thinking. All right? You're thinking, but it sounds so radical. Bear with me, folks. Makes lots of sense. For one thing, it dovetails perfectly with Mayor Lori Lightfoot's budget call for shared sacrifices and prudence and spending. Think of all the money we will save. Got to be hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars in salaries if we just call off the school year. We could send that money back to the taxpayers. Well, of course, after the bankers get their cut for interest payments on the money they've lent us to pay our obligations, hey, got to take care of the bankers. And after the developers get their cut to develop, to develop all those neighborhoods that would have developed anyway, Come on, people. Got to worry about the developers. They got kids, too. And their kids have private school tuitions to pay. So after the bankers and the developers get their money back, we should have at least a million or so in a refund for the regular taxpayers. Now, now I know <laughs> the lights just went off. Hey, Brian, you got to pay that light bill every now and then. All right, dude? <laughs> <laughs> just the lights went off. Just such, such a radical idea. Brian, turn off the lights. Hey, you want to save money? All right, we'll start with electricity. I'm trying to read my script here, young man. <laughs> uh, anyway, where was I? It went before the lights went off. Oh, yes, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> I know what you're thinking, Ben. If there's no school, what are we going to do with the kids? Now, is come on, people. If there's one thing we've learned from our Chicago Tribune, from their editorials and their columns, if there's one thing we've learned is that school is overrated. We've discussed this. This is what the Tribune's been telling us ever since the strike began. The teachers want more nurses. They want more librarians. They want more social workers and counselors. What has the Tribune told us? 
They've told us nurses, huh, overrated. Just have parents pick up the kids when they're sick. Librarians, way overrated. You want to learn how to do research? Just look it up on Google, okay? Teacher, I mean, who needs teachers? Just get spell checked. There goes spelling bees right out the window. School is overrated. Personnel's overrated. Lower class size doesn't matter. There was a study somewhere that someone did. Who knows if it's been, it's credible. Says you can stuff as many kids in a classroom as you could possibly fit and they'll all learn anyway lower class size is overrated well if teachers and librarians and class size is all overrated why have school at all now i know what else you're thinking you're thinking but ben there's a practical concern what are we going to do with all these kids if they're not in school well let's face it folks by and large that's what most people who don't send their kids to the public schools that's how they view the public schools anyway it's like a giant daycare center to keep the kids off the street you know for part of the day uh, the business day and then uh, let them loose so listen this is where everybody contributes okay Everybody pitches in, so it'll be like a giant take-your-kid-to-work day, even if it's not your kid. I know the Chicago Tribune editorial board will take like 100 kids to help them out. We could use a kid or two to help link the guests in. Oh, my God. (laughs) That'd be awesome. (laughs) What the heck? Shared sacrifice. The school is overrated, folks. Look, take the kid, bring them in. Have them sit in the corner, give them a cell phone, tell them just to look stuff up on Google. He'll learn how to read in no time. Besides, reading's overrated. Writing's overrated. You learn all that stuff, you might get smart and ask some critical questions that the mayor won't know how to answer. Folks, I'm telling you, school is overrated. We got a great show today, everybody. Miles Comp Lassen will be in the studio from in these times. I'll tell you what, he learned a few things in school. He knows all about politics, local, national, and state. We'll be talking about that. And then the young man from the Northwest Side, the proud graduate of, I believe, Foreman High School, D, young Kenneth Kenny Davis. No, I think it was Prosser High School. Here, two public school graduates coming into the, the studio one day, D. They learned something from their teachers. Uh, and uh, I believe uh, Miles went to Whitney Young High school anyway kenny davis will be here we'll be breaking down the budget ken davis has been following budgets in the city of chicago folks going back to the 80s also a lot of trump talk while we're dealing with the reality of a teacher strike here in the city of chicago while we're trying to figure out how to pay our obligations where we're going to find the money in an overtaxed city uh trump has lost his mind in washington and there's just evidence of that on a daily basis yesterday's insurrection by congressional republican man do i miss monroe hurry up back monroe come on back from l Putin. <laughs> He's got his shades on, man. I'm on L.A., man. He's just digging L.A. But he tells me back next week, I can't wait to get take the deep dive on this congressional. Republicans have lost their freaking minds. They had their mini insurrection yesterday invading a, uh, uh, a hearing room in the back the back offices of the uh, of Congress in Washington. Uh, Republicans are standing up for their president, Donald Trump. So uh, I may get a, some comments about that from Kenneth Davis uh, and Miles. And by the way, Tim Ryan dropped out of the race. I don't know if you saw this. Dan, I don't know even remember who tim ryan is no not meg ryan okay meg ryan's an actress tim ryan is a congressman from ohio meg's husband <laughs> no not even related uh but anyway he just stepped down i saw that as i was coming in tim ryan was standing uh he said he was going to represent the centrists and those to the little the right of bernie sanders well, maybe a lot to the right of bernie sanders he dropped out of the race so now d 
There's only 18 candidates. How about that? We're down to 18. All candidates. right, we're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah, it's a D. We have the race. How many? Up. How many? Uh, only one can go through, right? That is okay, correct. We got a ways to go. Man, I'll tell you what. I know who went to school. Young Dennis over there learned a thing or two in the Alton public school system. Uh, Anyway, so uh, we'll talk about some national politics as well. So a lot of political talk ahead of us. But first, the man from Alton, the man they call the doctor with the news. How's it going, everybody? My name's Dennis. Hey, for all the people who... What's so funny? I just always love it when you go, my name's Dennis. (laughs) I am not a doctor. For everyone who uh, watches our program Mm -hmm. via live stream or listens live... We love all of you. <laughs> Where's the camera? It's right there. We're using the, the oh, TV Betsy. camera today. I don't even know if they can see us. <laughs> we are good at the audio part. The video part, ah, we're so-so. Yeah. So anybody who watches or listens to this program live, boy, you're so patient. We appreciate you. And if you ever miss any of this program, remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J. Bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites or wherever else you download your favorite podcast. While we appreciate that you guys listen and uh, watch live, we love doing it live. We wouldn't do it any other way. In fact, when we first met up with the Sun-Times, we said we want to do it live. They said, you guys are stupid. Why do you want to do that? <laughs> Why? Why do you want to do it live? It's like, because we're used to radio. That's how we yeah. do it. We do it live. If it were pre-recorded, it would seem like, you know, I don't know, we'd have like so many takes. We'd no, like- no, no. We would not have so many takes. I guarantee. Uh-uh. No, dude, we're going, baby. You know how the bonus people come in for the bonus interviews? Uh, bonus interviews every weekend. We drop them every Absolutely. weekend, right? Uh, but they come in. Are we? Can we, uh, like, if I make a mistake, can we just edit that? Uh-uh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that happens. That happens. We're breaking the fourth wall today. That happens when WBEZ people come in because they're so, like, they're perfectionists when it comes to their audio. God bless them. That's great. Yeah. And, hey, you're going to edit some of that out, right? Like, no, dude, we're just, no. we're keeping it all in there. Edit? Huh? <laughs> edit? We have an attitude toward edit a little way the chicago tribune is as an attitude attitude toward nurses who needs editors so no we let it fly like the lights just went out earlier the live stream (laughs) viewers they saw the lights go out he just turned why'd he turn the lights right now there's not even video of it's just a picture of you (laughs) with your arm up in the air i don't i'm call. i i emailed brian to come in and help us uh you guys are awesome who yeah. listen and uh, watch on the live stream, all right? And if you downloaded today's show, hey, how's it going? I'm Dennis. All right, so. <laughs> it's just a fourth wall has been smashed our to show smithereens. Is one of a kind, man. Our show is one of a kind. One of a kind love affair. Oh, okay. Who's yeah. that? The Spinners. Oh, one of my favorite right. groups of all time. Okay. 70s, D, 70s. All right. Denise would know it. Denise, who came in here earlier today from uh, the Sun Times, she came in to uh, chat with us. Ah, uh, the 70s. What What year is it right now? Uh, 2000. 2019. Whoa. <laughs> uh, 70s yeah. was a long time ago, huh? All right, let's begin with what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. Mm-hmm. As we mentioned earlier in the week, our Illinois governor has been laying low lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't want to get involved in this school strike. No, 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 negatory. We do have a public event listed for J.B. Pritzker. This evening, he will be at the Ravel Fulton Market to attend La Casa Norte's gala. Ooh la la, oh, J.B. Wow. Pritzker. <laughs> are you going to that thing? What do you think? <laughs> negatory. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be eating pizza at home, getting crumbs all over my butt. All right. Watching uh, basketball. Governor Pritzker also made the news this morning. He and his gubernatorial colleagues around the nation were the subject of a recent poll. A poll defined which governors are popular and which ones are 
Well, not so much. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Tina Spondella's Morning Consult, a nonpartisan, let's remember that part right there, a nonpartisan digital media and survey research company established in 2013 conducted uh, 533,985 nationwide surveys with registered voters from July 1st through September 30th. The margin of error for Illinois was plus or minus 1% and 21,533 registered Illinois voters were polled. The poll measured How many were polled? Uh, 21,533 registered Illinois wow, voters. Wow, they were polled a lot of people. Yeah, this uh, morning playing, console, they're, they're not playing around. The poll measured the most popular and unpopular governors by total approval and total disapproval. The most popular governor in the country, according to the poll, is Republican Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker. Ben, you know, have you heard of Charlie Baker? You know much about Charlie Baker? I don't know much about him, but I've heard about him, and he's more or less a moderate Republican. So I guess he's popular because he's one of the few Republicans uh, who is not totally afraid to criticize uh, Donald John Trump from time to time. <laughs> I guess that makes him immensely popular. Oh, he went up. Bipartisan guy. The rest of the popular governor list includes all Republican governors. <laughs> Funny how that works, huh? Yeah. All right. Now, our governor, J.B. Pritzker, did not make the top 10 popular list, oh. according to this nonpartisan poll. Mm -hmm. The most unpopular governor is Democratic Rhode Island Governor Gina Raimondo with a 36% approval rating and a 56% disapproval rating. Whoa. Ben, you have history in Rhode Island. Yeah, I do. I, was, uh, I spent a lot of years in Rhode Island way, way back, even before the 70s. Oh, is good. that possible? <laughs> and here's the interesting thing about the governor of Rhode Island. She's the one that generally a centrist in the Democratic Party put up as an example of the kind of Democrat who would be effective uh, because uh, she, uh, you know, challenged the, the pension uh, system in Rhode Island, uh, forced some pension cuts on on pensioners in Rhode Island. Uh, she was was not afraid to alienate unions and uh, sort of lose union support. So when people like Amy Klobuchar or uh, a columnist for the New York Times uh, talk about a uh, Democratic politician that they want to model themselves after, they think other Democrats should follow. They talk about uh, the governor of Rhode Island, and now it turns out she's uh, very unpopular. So nobody's popular. Oh, there's a great let's emulate one of the most unpopular, the most unpopular governor uh, in the country. It's some crazy political times, D. I don't know. I don't know who you can emulate these days and still uh, remain in office. So Gina Raimondo with a 36 uh, approval rating and a 56 uh, percent disapproval rating. And J.B. Pritzker made the top 10 unpopular list, okay. ranking as the eighth most unpopular governor in the country. The top 10 unpopular list includes six Democrats and four Republicans. Ben Jarofsky, should this poll concern us at all as we get closer to the 2020 election, or is this poll just a bunch of BS? Well, there's uh, there, <laughs> there's a little of both sides. Uh, when you give me a choice, the, the reality is I didn't see much difference between the most popular and the least popular in terms of, I, I just gave it a brief look. Uh, so I think everybody's pretty unpopular, and I think this poll is a testament to our times. Uh, we're, we're a very divided country, we're a very partisan country, uh, like, for instance, the Trump supporters are on a daily basis encouraged by their uh, their president, their mo the, the president they love, to think of everybody who is even mildly critical of the president to view them as the enemy, 
as the enemy of the state. And reporters are viewed as the enemy of the state. Uh, the press is viewed as the enemy of the state. So you got that going on the Republican side. And then you have people like me on the left on the left of the equation. I'm so upset with the Republicans because they won't stand up to uh, Donald Trump that I can't think of any Republican that I admire uh, these days. So yeah, it's a very volatile time. Uh, it's a time of extremes. It's a time of bitter partisanship. We're seeing that here in the city of Chicago, even among Democrats, uh, the fight, the school board, uh, excuse me, the, the teacher strike is a, an example of that. So uh, I don't really know. I think that poll show is an accurate reflection of, of how volatile our times are and how bitterly uh, divided we are. And I'll tell you what, what concerns me as we go forward from in my worldview, uh, I believe that uh, J.B. Pritzker is absolutely correct to call for a fair tax. And that, of course, means raising the rates on the wealthiest people in the state of Illinois to pay off our obligations so we're not a regressive tax. Uh, the fact that he's so unpopular, the fact that his uh, disapproval ratings are high means that it's an uphill battle. We always knew it was going to be an uphill battle to get that referendum passed. So it's bad news, in my humble opinion, uh, going forward for more progressive programs. All right. So that was the latest poll there. That was fun, huh? No, that was a lot of fun. What yeah. a, everybody hates everybody else. Woo! <laughs> what, a, what a wonderful time we're living in. I can't think of anybody that's liked by everybody. Wow. Hey, just remember. Yeah. I'm J.B. Pritzker, and I'm not a perfect person. Yes, remember that. Never everybody. said he was perfect. Never said he was perfect. I kind of like J.B., all right? So... <laughs> Whatever. What, what would you you'd rank him as like the number one governor, right? Yeah, I thought definitely the uh, yeah. yeah could be. Oh, I'm trying yeah, to think. I'm trying to think of governors I've lived under. I like Pat Quinn. I like Pat Quinn. There you go. D. Of course, I was complaining like crazy when he was the governor, but uh, I liked him before he was the governor, and I liked him after he was the governor. And I love it when he comes on our show. Uh, I had my issues with him when he was the actually the governor. Uh, but I like Pat Quinn. So there you go. Is that cool? I like Pat Quinn. Cool. I like J.B. Pritzker. Jim Edgar. You know, I like Jim Edgar. He was a Republican back in the day, D. Ah, uh, back in the day. Back in the day. Sam Shapiro going way back in the day. All right? 1960s. <laughs> wow. I used to call him the love gov. That's a complicated story anyway. You are old. Okay. <laughs> That was fun, though. It's nice to talk about something else besides the ongoing problems of the city of Chicago for yeah. a little bit. You Can know? we just talk more about J.P. Pritzker's nah, poll? Fun's okay. over. We need to talk about the latest developments on the Chicago teacher strike. Uh, Over 20,000 CTU members gathered around City Hall Wednesday during Mayor Lightfoot's Wednesday budget speech in protest. After the budget address, Lightfoot made her way to the Chicago Sun-Times building, and sadly, she did not make a trip past the bathrooms into our <laughs> awesome studio. She's like, I'm not going anywhere near that place. Uh, she made an appearance here, Dave, in, in defense of Lori Lightfoot. She made an appearance here, as you recall, uh, when she was running for office. And you, as you recall, for 10 trivia points, who was the guest <laughs> for 10 trivia points and breakfast at the Waffle House, which oh. I walked by today. I'm okay. dying to go there. Okay. Uh, for 10 trivia points and breakfast at the Waffle House, who was a guest in the studio when Lori Lightfoot walked in? Come on. So easy. <laughs> Mark Sims. Mark Sims. What's going on, Mark? Remember what he did? I'm scared. Yeah. the door. Hey, wait. I don't want to ask any questions. Oh, you know he listens to this program I know. every day. Yes. So make sure you know oh, that. I love Mark Sims dearly. All right. After the budget address, Lightfoot made her way to the Chicago Sun-Times building. She was in the editorial boardroom. And according to the Sun-Times, even after the mass protest outside City Hall, the mayor showed 
no signs of caving, saying, quote, what we've been very clear about is they've got to live within their means, whatever those means are, and they can't exceed that and look to the city to bail them out. And I think that message has been delivered loud and clear to Dr. Jackson and her team, Janice Jackson, CPS. Uh, she's the CPS president, is that right? Uh, no, Janice Jackson, CEO is what they call her. Oh, okay, okay. Dr. and her team, and we also need the CTU to hear the same thing. This is not an unlimited pot of money to fund everything they want. Ben, what do you think of those comments from the mayor? Well, I think uh, what the mayor is doing there is what I said she was doing uh, earlier, and she She's trying in the public's mind to distinguish uh, the city of Chicago and the budget that was that she just talked about yesterday uh, from the budget that affects the Chicago public schools. And she's trying to act as though that she is some kind of neutral observer in all this, as opposed uh, to the single most powerful and influential person in regards to the public schools. Re- re- again, folks, in 19 in the 1995, the state of Illinois passed a law that pretty much put the entire public school system of Chicago. Chicago under the control of the mayor. The mayor appoints the school board. The mayor names who the CEO is. Janice Jackson owes her job uh, to Lori Lightfoot. Uh, the um, the mayor also has power in negotiating with the union over what the union can strike over. And right now, technically, uh, since they're talking um, most vociferously about uh, hiring nurses and uh, hiring social workers and librarians, etc. and so forth, those are not strikeable issues. So ultimately, it would be the mayor who would go to court if it comes to this and I hope it doesn't come to this but I have a sense it will come to this it would be the mayor who goes to court seeking an injunction from a judge to end the strike and uh, if necessary fine the union for being on strike or possibly throwing union leaders into jail for being on strike so to act as though the mayor is some kind of neutral observer uh, is a shell game in addition we're going to hear a lot of talk about this there's the old TIF program which uh, diverts money from a public schools from the Chicago public Public schools uh, into bank accounts controlled by the mayor. So it's it's not exactly uh, an honest statement to say uh, that they can't look to the city to bail them out because the public schools of Chicago have effectively already ceded uh, hundreds of millions of dollars in property taxes to the TIF program, which the mayor controls. So it's like this, the public schools could say, hey, mayor, we gave you that money. We don't think it's a great idea to spend it on Lincoln Yards and the 78. Kick it back to us. So it's not completely honest to pretend as though uh, there's no connection between one and the other. All right, so we heard from the mayor there. It's now time for what's become one of my favorite things to do since the teacher strike started, and that's play press conference audio from CTU Vice President and our friend Stacy Davis-Gates. She held a press conference last night, gave everyone a bit of an update. We have the audio here. Shout out to the Chicago Teachers Union for the audio. Take it away. S D G. <laughs> Look, we are bargaining finally. After 10 months, we're passing proposals back and forth. Um, it's moving. The teacher's contract is really not that sexy, y'all. Right? <laughs> it, it's not. It, it involves a lot of things that the average person will never understand about a teacher's day. And so those are the things that we're doing at the table right now. Look, it took 10 months to get here. We're here. It's taken a lot of time. It is a huge inconvenience for 
for the entire city of Chicago. It is deeply frustrating to everyone on this side of the bargaining table, and we're finally bargaining. Look, the fact of the matter is, if the mayor gets out the way, if her lawyers at the table that she sent just recently get out the way, then we can actually get a deal. We are working with educators. You know, the folks, when, when there's momentum at the table, the educators are in charge of the table from our side and on the CPS side. We may not agree on everything, and yet there's still movement, energy, and momentum. If her bargaining team, especially those who are educators on that team, are able to do the work, we can get a settlement done. All right, that's SDG, Stacey Davis-Gates. Yeah, we are big fans of Stacey Davis-Gates, but I also want to point out to you, in fairness and accuracy, I voted twice for Lori Lightfoot. That's All correct. Right. Uh, thank you, Robert Mueller. Uh, and uh, so I have never understood why Stacey Davis-Gates and Lori Lightfoot uh, could not have gotten together sometime soon after the April election and uh, works a lot of these things out. Why it took, what is it? I forget how many, I've lost track, 10 months, I can't remember, I think Stacy said it. Why it took so long, and it took a strike. It's the absolute worst place to try to settle these vexing problems that Chicago uh, faces. I, that was satire that began the show, uh, where I suggested oh. we just do away with the school year. I couldn't all. tell. <laughs> Altogether, but the reality is this: if you don't adequately fund your public schools, what is the point of public education? If you're just going to allow classrooms to remain crowded, if you're just not, you're not going to have nurses, you're not going to have librarians, you're not going to teach critical kids critical thinking skills. The Tribune's adv advice is just look it up on the computer. You don't need a librarian, you know. So if if that's where you're heading, then why even have public schools in the first place? I know that Stacey Davis Gates and Lori Lightfoot have more in common than, than they don't have in common, and I just don't understand why they couldn't have gotten together and worked a lot of this stuff out uh, in advance. Uh, Lori Lightfoot ran on many of the policies that the teachers are striking on. And Fran Spielman wrote a pretty uh, uh, revealing article in today's Sun-Times. I urge people to read it. It's a difference, she said, she noted, between being a candidate and being a mayor. Well, I would like for once, and I think a lot of people in this country, you talked, we talked earlier about how unpopular so many politicians are. How about a politician who do, does what he or sa she says she's going to do? I think one of the reasons why Bernie Sanders, and Miles is here, he's got his Bernie Sanders button on, not really, but metaphorically he does. Uh, one of the reasons that Bernie Sanders uh, and Donald Trump are popular with their followers is they more or less do what they say they're going to do. In Bernie Sanders' case, he's an uh, unapologetic supporter of health care for all. In Donald uh, Trump's uh, situation, he's an unapologetic uh, nut job. But either way, it seems to be what their supporters want. So, you know, I wish that Lori Lightfoot uh, had worked in that uh, in the same vein. And so when she became mayor, she had a couple of huge decisions she had to make. Number one was what she was going to do about that Lincoln Yards and uh, 78 TIF deals. That's $2.3 billion that the city has dedicated to developing upscale projects in already gentrifying neighborhoods. She had a decision to make. Was she going to fight that? Was she going to resist? Is that uh, or was she just going to go along with it and just say, hey, there's nothing we could do about it. Now, let's move on. Uh, was she going to try to find the money to lower class size and hire nurses, etc.? That's something she had decided. Now, in the union's hand, everybody knows I'm critical. I thought they overplayed their hand in the election. 
I thought they were way too critical of Lori Lightfoot. They demonized her. Uh, I thought, even politically, it just didn't make sense because I didn't see Lori Lightfoot losing to, uh, to Tony Preckwinkle. So why would you pour so much good money, uh, metaphorically speaking here, after bad? So I never understood that. And that probably, you know, Lori Lightfoot is a human being. So she probably carried a grudge against Stacey Davis Gates for all the things the Chicago Teachers Union said back during the campaign, and we are paying for it right now. So you have two powerful women uh, who have a lot of power. I, w- I wish they could get together and figure out some kind of accord this. And I think, at least if you listen to the rhetoric of Lori Lightfoot, she is in agreement with Stacey Davis Gates, at least when she was a candidate. She was essentially running on the Chicago Teacher Union platform. Right now joining us is Miles Camflassen. Mm-hmm. Said it right. The That's pride awesome. and joy of Whitney Young High School. We have two public high school. We have two public school graduates coming in today, D. So show some respect. All right. <laughs> okay. They all learned right. from teachers. Chicago Come. public school teachers taught Miles how to read, and they taught young Kenneth Davis how to read. So there you go. Miles, we're giving the updates on the uh, Chicago teacher strike here. So feel free to weigh in <laughs> with us. We're playing Stacy Davis Gates. I have one more clip of audio. I love this. No, I love when Stacey's We're not anywhere on enforcement language. And that's actually the problem because enforcement language is going to cost money. And the mayor's running around the city talking about you can't bail CPS out. A bailout Mm. for a smaller class size? Mm. Come on. That's not a bailout. That's an investment in the future of our country. That's right. You know, and so the the paradigm has to shift. She has to get out of the way of success. She has to get out of the way of a monumental legacy building contract that she will actually benefit from, where she will be a hero. Like, the mayor has an opportunity to make this work for herself. By the way, I love Stacey Davis Gates' uh, press conference. All the reporters assemble. She's like, come on, bring it on. Bring it on. You got a, You call that a question? That's not a question. And then she just bats it away. Next question. Bring it. Gotta love Stacey Davis. I agree with everything she says. Of course, she sounds like a column I wrote or have been writing for the last 20 years. Miles is nodding his head. But it's absolutely true. Lori Lightfoot would be a hero to all the progressives. And I would be leading the charge. I'd be out there going, I told you so. Because all the progressives gave me so much grief because I was not waving the flag for Tony Preckwinkle. I'm still not waving the flag for Tony Preckwinkle, all right? But I I would love to be able to say, Lori Lightfoot, prove me right, okay? I voted for Lori Lightfoot, not once, but twice, Steve. Thank you, Robert Mueller. Uh, And so uh, I agree with Stacey Davis Gates. She could be a hero. Higher the lower the class size, at least get some language in the contract uh, that would ramp us up. That's what they're talking about, folks. It's not literally talking about bringing in 500 nurses, although I could argue that we could use a whole bunch of nurses, but they're already talking about ramping up. So a lot of this is a power struggle, D. You know, you know that. You know, like when Dennis and I are on the train going home, figuring things out, we have a power struggle. Oh, we're going to do it this way. No, uh, I, we're going to do it this way. Uh-uh. Oh, we always on. end up doing it his way. But uh, so it's, we're like, I'm like Lori Lightfoot and you're Stacey Davis Gates. And that ben, is- enough of the bonus interviews, all right? We've done three. That's a lot, all right? I want to go home. That's a, that's a typical <laughs> that's a tip- Ben Jarofsky Come show on, man. argument. One more. I just met somebody in the hallway. He's a Bulls fan. Let's bring him in. So uh, that was Wednesday. On to today. And yes. 
yes, the teachers are still on strike. We're now on day six, but if you want to be dramatic about it, uh, day eight. Uh, the Tribune counts a weekends, okay, D? All right, and I believe everything I read in the Tribune. We don't need nurses. We don't need a lower class size and librarians. You don't need them in the age of Google. All right, D, get it right. CTU President Jesse Sharkey gave a press conference this morning. Here's the latest, and you know, while it's nowhere as near catchy, Take it away, J.S. <laughs> In the last couple of days, it's become apparent that the Chicago Teachers Union strike of 2019 is entering a new phase. It's a phase in which in order to achieve a fair settlement, the mayor of the city of Chicago is going to have to bring more resources to the table. We've been asked by our members and by the people of the city of Chicago to address critical shortcomings and problems in our public schools. We're trying to achieve a negotiation on class size, on staffing, and on pay and benefits that allows us to hold our heads high and say that our public schools are delivering what they need to deliver for the children of Chicago. We're trying to put together a puzzle in order to end this strike. But we don't have enough pieces on the table in order to complete the puzzle. The mayor still has a handful of pieces in her pocket. Until she takes the pieces of the puzzle out of her pocket and puts them on the table, we're not going to solve the puzzle. We're not going to complete the picture. And those pieces amount to resources. So for example, for class size, the mayor said she wants to address class size. That's great. But it's not adequate what she's doing so far. $700,000 for all the high schools in the city of Chicago. It's not going to get the job done. It, it, there's over, almost 100 high schools. Um, a class size provisions that don't include enforcement. Um, we can get this deal done if there's a commitment of some resources from the mayor. All right. Do you hear the horns in the background? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, quit the support right now. I'm trying to talk. <laughs> he was getting tested there. Uh, he was got a little tired. I going to bring Miles and get his thoughts. Let me just say this. Uh, I like Jesse a lot. I, I wrote an article about him way back when, D, when you were still in Alton. He was a uh, high school teacher at Sen. So I've known him for a long time, and uh, I agree with a lot of what he had to say there. But just on a personal level, man, give Stacy the microphone. I love it when STG gets in front of those reporters. Next question. You call that a question? Oh, man. So anyway, I, just, I, I just love how the reporters react to it. Oh, my, that was honest. <laughs> wow, Stacy. <laughs> the reporters do it with Stacy. Like, wow, she's I, I don't know what quite to say. Miles, what's your thoughts about what Jesse had to say? Well, I think Jesse's been a, a very strong voice for the teachers union, but you got to give some love to Stacey Davis Gates when she's out there. You know, you, the other day you could sense the spirit of Karen running through her veins. You know, when they, they asked her, you know, what do you say to the reports that you wanted the strike all along? And she just said, that's petty. Next question. Yeah. You know? <laughs> next question. I love that. Yeah. Next. That's question. petty. Next. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. I mean, that's I think that that speaks to the frustration that so many people in the city uh, feel right now about not just the fact there's like a stalemate, a log jam, you know, these are problems on both sides. It gets back to exactly what you were talking about in France column. It's about, you know, people are having buyer's remorse right now about, and that's what I see. You know, I've so many uh, people I know that supported Lori Lightfoot, obviously. I mean, she won the pretty commanding yeah. majority. So, you know, people, including progressive people that have long time been advocates for social justice in this city, including a lot of people that worked uh, alongside the great, uh, late great Harold Washington, you know, and these are the people 
people now that are in a position of having to understand or explain or even defend the actions of this mayor who continues to um, not meet the demands of teachers, of the frontline workers in our communities. So I think that that's kind of where things stand right now. And I can't see any other way out of this than for her to uh, comply with some of these demands and meet them at the table because they're not, you saw yesterday, there was 25, 30,000 people out in the street. That's, you know, not good for her, nor does it represent uh, a vote of confidence in the way that she wants to lead the city. Mm, yeah, I, uh, I say, uh, when Jesse says there's pieces of the puzzle that are missing, just throw the pieces in and deal with the puzzle. Kick the can down the road. That's my advice. And what we always do in the city of Chicago, we kick the can down the road. Well, I think that that gets to the point. This is this is why this these negotiations are so um, difficult right now is that the city has demanded that this be a five-year contract. And it makes sense politically because clearly the mayor does not want to have to deal with another contract before her term is up. You know, mm -hmm. she doesn't want to have to deal with this again. But, you know, the union wanted a three-year contract. If there's a five-year contract, that means that whatever is decided right now, they will not get to relitigate these issues for another five years. Mm -hmm. So this is an incredibly important uh, investment. And it's the only way to have an enforceable um, a strategy to make the mayor comply with the things that she ran on yeah. when she when you know she campaigned on lower class size she campaigned on fully funding the schools she campaigned on a charter moratorium hell she campaigned on a uh, elected school board that then she got you know uh yeah, she backed away from that she backed away from that so you know if if she's going to follow through on the things that she ran and keep in mind i mean this was she was inaugurated in may you know these were these were promises that were made mere months ago this is what the people of chicago voted for and thought that they were going to get so if she's going to follow through on those this is the one chance if it's going to be a five-year contract so that's why they're pushing so hard and making clear that this needs to be not just as you said is what has happened so many times before kicking the can down the road we'll figure it out once we you know get new injections of cash no this is the time you know this is this is this is the way we got to move forward well it you know when you say that this is what people voted for and i've been thinking a lot about this miles uh is this what people voted for and you know, I struggle with this. First of all, only what thirty-four percent of the people voted. So, and uh, what was it? Seventy-five percent voted for uh, Lori Lightfoot. She got an overwhelming majority of people that uh, supported her. And I, I just, at this stage, I'm not quite sure what people in Chicago want. And part of this is, you know, I look at the voting records of Chicagoans, and it, they're just so muted. It's it's so hard to decipher what. Chicagoans want from their tax dollars and what do they want what objective do they want what do they want government to do what what exactly do they think I've talked to so many different people do they think uh, we could adequately fund our schools like I have so many people tell me Ben that's unrealistic to have nurses in the public schools they or it's unrealistic to have librarians in the public schools. Uh, this is not, this, people tell me this, I read this on a regular basis uh, in the newspapers. So I'm like, well, what do you want from your tax dollars? And, you know, and mayors give speeches, Miles, where they say, we want to uh, eradicate the inequities between the poorest and the wealthiest. And yet, then they turn around and say, well, we can't afford it. So they say they want to eradicate the inequities, and then they say they can't afford it. And then so many people in the public they come on this show. I have many people come on this show and go, Ben, you can't afford all this stuff. So I don't know what people in the city of Chicago realistically are voting for. Well, I don't think that what they're voting for is, you know, corporate giveaways. And I don't think what they're voting for is to, you know, 
oversee the same status quo. The, you know, the direction of the city needs to fundamentally change. And I do think that that's what this election was about. That's why Paul Vallis isn't our mayor. That's why Gary McCarthy isn't our mayor right now. Or Bill Daly. Or Bill Daly. I mean, people made a uh, choice that they were, you know, there were really two lanes in this past mayoral election. Granted, in the first round, I mean, Lori just came out uh, slightly on top. That's what got her into the runoff with um, Tony Preckwinkle. And both of them were kind of occupying the same lane that that said, you know, I think in many ways the election became kind of a referendum on corruption and on Ed Burke. And that really did um, paint. Uh, Tony Preckwinkle in a terrible light. And also, you know, Lori was kind of a newcomer to politics and she didn't have the same kind of record that a lot of these other people had. And she embraced, as you just said, much of the CTU's platform on education. So there's no other way to look at this, I think, than saying people in the city of Chicago chose a new direction for the city. Mm -hmm. They didn't want Rahm Emanuel 2.0. And, you know, Lori, I think, has done some uh, good thing so far in office, you know, with the changing the um, licensing fees and car ticketing. Um, and she's made some moves towards reducing some of the most regressive fines and fees. But then look at this budget she rolls out with. There's no, you know, new progressive taxation. She once again says we can't do a corporate head tax. It's going to make businesses flee as if, you know, the problem in this city is uh, rich people leaving rather than the, you know, the, the people get poor black out, people yeah. that are getting that are already seeing an exodus. So I think that that's where we need to, you know, see some follow through on campaign pledges, because otherwise that's just what breeds the cynicism that pervades our politics right now is when people claim a mantle while they're running for office and then immediately pull back once they actually are in the reins of power and they have all the pressures uh, in office when there's campaign contributors, when there's, you know, business lobbyists, all kinds of people in their ear. Um, That's the test is whether people can stand up to that pressure and still follow through. And that's what this mayor is facing right now. I actually agree with that last point so strongly. When I think of the cynicism and apathy, so much of it is uh, stems from this almost nihilistic attitude that people have that no matter who you vote for, it won't matter. And they see it come out in practice time after time after time. Now, uh, on the state level, uh, with with Pritzker, with, there was a there was some there were some things positive things that were passed, and yet he's still unpopular. So it's we're just in a it's like a real desperate time right now, Miles. I mean, I think Pritzker coming through uh, on his promise to legalize marijuana, and we were just like, when Dennis and I were driving home, one of our th- favorite things to do is we listen to the Joe Rogan. <laughs> I'm almost embarrassed to say we love listening to Joe Rogan. But Joe Rogan is always, one of his main things is like legalizing marijuana. He, Joe Rogan was on uh, ahead of that one way before anybody in the, uh, like a mainstream politician was. And yet I don't see, we're so jaded. I don't see any like, you know, there's no love for J.B. Pritzker for passing marijuana. Do you follow? It's just, just like, well, that's gone. That's gobbled up. And uh I think people respond, though, to changes in their lives, not necessarily to bills getting signed. And that's, you know, you the, the, those effects have to actually happen before people will view somebody as uh, being successful or being popular. And we passed that bill, but it's not gone into effect. You know, it's going to go in January 1st. It might now get delayed to July because of this, uh, these new deals in the city, at least in the city uh, proper, because of, you know, these, these other deals that have happened. So I think until people start to actually feel the impacts of these things, you know, of wage increases, of um, 
the uh, changes to policies around reproductive health, all of the things that this governor has, uh, has made, helped make happen in his first term, a lot of that is still coming down the pike. So I think that that's when there will be an actual referendum on the uh, on the governor. I think it's pretty early to pretty test early. people's uh, opinions. All right. Do you get any more updates? That's it. Now you're in the know of what's going on in Chicago and or Illinois. As today's show rolls along, I will be hitting F5 refresh on Chicago Sun-Times for any more updates on the Chicago teacher strike. And coming up later, we're going to be talking all about Mayor Lightfoot's budget address with former host of the Chicago Newsroom. You know him. You love him. Kenny D. Ken Davis. And uh, you have to stick around, listeners, because I have a nice little treat for all of you as well. Nice little treat for Ben. Fox 32 had on a gentleman from, well, no one's favorite Illinois political organization, the Illinois Policy <laughs> Institute. <laughs> and he, uh, yeah. old crowd. And this guy shared his thoughts on Mayor Lightfoot's budget address. There are some uh, one-time revenue sources in here. The, the debt refinancing, while it might be a good thing, is something you can only rely on one year because she's kind of front-loading all the savings from that. All right, that's all you get oh, for wow. now, everybody. <laughs> okay. That's all you get for now. Ben, hold it tight. Right. Adam Schuster his name. Oh, I, I've seen that name. Yeah, okay. And who was the reporter? I couldn't tell you. Oh, okay, all right. Jim Jones. Uh, Jim Jones. All right, well, I'm looking forward to that. We'll, we'll, we'll play that one when young Kenneth is in the studio. More to come on that, so don't go anywhere, everybody. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Today's Ben Jarofsky Show was brought to you in part by Chicago Architecture Center. Get to know your city on one of Chicago Architecture Center's 65 walking tours. Hear the unforgettable secrets and stories behind Chicago architecture from our expert docents. Book your tour at architecture.org slash tours. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm actually on a tour right now. Oh, wow. Look at that building. Get a special discount for Illinois residents from July 15th to August 15th. All Illinois residents get 50% off select walking tours. Visit architecture.org slash IL dash resident. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. Hey, podcast fans. I'm assuming that's you because you're listening to this podcast, right? The Chicago Sun-Times political web series, The Franz Spielman Show, is now available, that's right, as a podcast. The Franz Spielman Show features weekly interviews with the lawmakers, journalists, and others who are shaping our city. Fran, I don't know if you know this or not, guys, she holds nothing back. She goes deep into City Hall to bring you the real scoop on Chicago politics. And now, that's now, N-O-W, you can listen to her show on all of your favorite podcast apps. Head to City Hall with Fran and get even more great political coverage from the Chicago Sun-Times. Listen and subscribe now at suntimes.com forward slash Fran hyphen show. That's suntimes.com forward slash F-R-A-N hyphen S-H-O-W. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Miles Conflassen in the studio, the pride and joy of Whitney Young High School, uh, the pride and joy of Beverly, and the pride and joy of In These Times of Jacobin uh, Magazine, a regular here on our show every Thursday, uh, talking politics, national, state, and local. And uh, 
I know you have a few more thoughts you want to uh, weigh in on uh, the teacher strike. I just want to say one thing. You, you mentioned Fran. Uh, Dee, I want to give a shout out to Mary Mitchell. Her column in today's Sun-Times was really good. Uh, and in, in the column, she was sort of struggling because on one hand, she has sympathy for Lori Lightfoot, uh, Lori, the predicament Lori Lightfoot uh, faces as mayor of the city of Chicago and all the pressure she uh, is encountering from all the different sectors. I mean, I, I represent the left. Miles represents the left. But there's a very powerful sec- sector on the right and uh, with a lot more money than I have or Miles has and a lot more influence. So she's under pressure from them. And then on the other hand, uh, Mary Mitchell, I think, evokes really passionately um, uh, compassionately the needs of Chicago school teachers and some of our poorest schools uh, and who are just dealing with, with, with reality that we can't even imagine in terms of overcrowded classrooms, lack of supplies. They have to dig into their pocketbooks to pay for essentials that most that most well-to-do suburban, suburban districts or private schools, they take for granted. And uh, so we sort of forget sometimes, folks. We think about, oh, our parents have been inconvenienced by this strike. Or, oh, it's really a, a, a pain in the neck to have to hear that they can't come to terms uh, on an agreement. Oh, it's just an inconvenience. Can't they just c- cut a deal? There's a reality on the front lines that many teachers are facing, uh, a real reality of dealing with um, the hardships of poverty. Maya talks about this a lot when she comes on Tuesday, and I thought Mary Mitchell did a very good job in today's Bright One of just uh, uh, evoking some of the, the issues that teachers are facing and why they're on strike. And again, they're not really on strike about money. Everybody talks about how teachers are selfish. Oh, they're just greedy. I mean, that was the right's favorite talking their little little talking point from the O's and the centrist Democrats bought into it. This is a strike over basic needs that kids have in a classroom, like lower class size or more nurses. That's what this, that's the heart of this strike. In the end, Stacey Davis Gates could get thrown into jail, you know, if a judge rules that uh, the strike's illegal. So these are very important issues. And I urge everybody to check out Mary Mitchell. Really good job by Mary Mitchell on today's Bright One. All right. What were you going to say? Uh, well, I, I read that column as well. And I, you know, I generally agree, but I do think there's, it's hard to imagine walking away from reading that column and not seeing the demands of the teachers union as critical to, to be met. And this contract is clearly the way to do that. You know, you don't make these types of commitments in a budget or through talking points because those things could all be changed on a whim you know the the legally enforced the reason they keep saying put it in writing is because that's the only way we can guarantee that these things are actually going to be funded and enforced you know there were cap size there were caps on class sizes in the last contract that are not being met you know a quarter of cps schools are uh, have oversized cla- have oversized classrooms that's not um, meeting the actual, you, you know, there's no mecha- mechanism right now to enforce that. So that's why there's so much focus um, on this contract and not stopping the strike before we actually have a deal. I mean, that's it to me. What was what really took me by surprise was that letter last week saying, you know, go come back to class before a deal is done. That you, you know, mean the Lori Life, the letter yeah. Lori uh, wrote to Jesse Sharkey. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's go right. Um, because to me, that betrays a lack of knowledge about how contract negotiation. W- 
negotiations work or it's a strong arm tactic to say hey you know stop this right now come back to class you're hurting our kids well they know that that's clear it's clear that there's victims of this strike but it's not just students it's teachers as well who are not getting paid and those costs are only going to increase next month you know they could at the end of the month there's a possibility that teachers could have their health care payments cut off by the city if the if the strike continues on you know we all hope it will not it won't won't come to that but that's another area where there's going to be sacrifice that uh, teachers are putting you know huge risk on the line that's what happened to the gm strikers at the uaw you know the uh the gm took away their health care eventually they reneged on that and right now there's supposedly a tentative agreement that uh, is going to be voted on but so that's a real thing you know this happens in labor negotiations also mayor lightfoot has said she's not going to add on extra days at the end of the class to make up for um the the days teachers have been on strike that's never happened before in a you know one of these negotiations that's always part of the deal is you add on classroom time at the end of the year both to make up pay and also to make up education time for the students what really surprised me is you know hearing the rhetoric uh, coming out of the mayor's office, which is about, you know, we're not going to bail out CPS as if as if CPS, our Chicago public school system, this public service we have that is, is supposed to provide equity for all residents of Chicago is some type of a business or a bank or, you know, some kind of, you know, something that we would just throw money at. That's not this is a public commitment this is a public trust. I mean, that's the whole idea of having public education is you value it and you fund it and you invest in it. You can't bail it out. That that just is that's language that sounds like it's coming from a corporate lawyer, not coming from somebody who really prioritizes the need of public education. I'm not saying that, you know, I don't know what's in the mayor's heart of hearts, but when she uses language like that in her office does, that really stings for people that have put their lives into um, trying to educate the students of Chicago and make sure that, you know, we provide actual equity in the classroom, which is what they're fighting for. They're not, as you, as you just said, they're not fighting over um, money. And the other thing is this language of scarcity that has just dominated the debate coming out of the mayor's office. You know, a mayoral aide said, and I'm pretty sure this was in the, the Sun-Times today, that we're scraping the oh, bottom of the mayonnaise jar. <laughs> yeah, I saw <laughs> I mean, what? Oh, uh, don't get me started. That's a t- yeah. They were talking about the TIF slush fund. Yeah, mm-hmm. go Scrape ahead. Scrape in the bottom of the manager. This <laughs> a city can't. Cities don't go broke because you you, uh, you can. You're a taxing body. You can you know you can raise revenue. That is the entire. You you're, you're not a business that can just you know the the revenue stops and therefore you know you're out of business or something. Yeah. It doesn't. We don't we don't operate that way. Of course, there's more money, and yeah. it's just a matter of priorities. You know, we always talk about the. Um, Lincoln Yards deal. Well, that's just one example of the type of corporate tax giveaways that we uh, have, not just through the TIF program, but through our city's budget in general. So it's really a matter of priorities. And when you hear the mayor's office talking in the scarcity austerity language, that's very, it it sounds like they're not moving closer. They're moving farther away from meeting the demands of the teachers. All right. Now, uh, to this point, uh, there was an article in Jacobin. I know you did not write it. Uh, Micah wrote it, uh, your partner in crime. Uh, So we're going to hold you accountable for it. (laughs) Uh, And it was called Rahm Emanuel uh, 2. Uh, I'll raise an objection right off the top and get your response. Uh, Lori Lightfoot is definitely, most definitely not Rahm Emanuel uh, in one critical level of putting aside rhetoric and policy. Now, you may say it doesn't matter, but on one critical level, uh, her approach, her manner, her demeanor, 
the way, the respect with which she generally treats people. Uh, Rom was very arrogant. Rom showed disdain, open disdain. Uh, Rom was so obviously just, just obviously like a, a con man working, you know, working things for his best interest. Uh, I, Lori Lightfoot treats people with much greater respect. Just yesterday, uh, for what it's worth, Pat Whalen, who was on the show, was walking out of the show, and uh, Lori Lightfoot was leaving the Sun Times, uh, having just done an interview uh, with the uh, editorial board, and uh, so. When uh, when Pat Whalen he was recorded this he he filmed Lori Lightfoot hey Mayor Lightfoot why don't you come back to my show and she she was very nice she came up and shook his hand and said the other thing so at just one basic level um, I object to people who compare Lori Lightfoot to Rahm Emanuel I just think she's a more compassionate uh, person who shows far more respect uh, for the average person so what's your response to that well also Rahm Emanuel has done um, you know it, we I don't know how to begin judging the damage that Rahm Emanuel has done to our country through his entire career which was spent um, attacking working people at every angle uh you know working to do things like pass through nafta which you know ship jobs overseas passing this horrible crime bill that you know fueled mass incarceration doing things like um working to pass welfare reform which uh helped exacerbate extreme poverty in our country these are what he's done on the national scale then when it comes to you know his reign as the mayor of chicago he was the you know neoliberal archetype of this new age of urban governance where there's all the 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 approach seems to be we're uh gonna you know try to milk everything we can out of the public sector so that we can uh increase corporate power and their influence over government so that basically government is a way that we can make more money for more businesses Mm -hmm. that is a very different approach than what Lori lightfoot has brought forth so far so i do agree that there's definitely a difference what i also will say though is that there are some similarities in that this is the same way that Rahm Emanuel's term as mayor began was with a teacher strike and with an, a, a, you know, a fight that was rhetoric ramping up on both sides and a refusal to bargain. And ultimately, we saw what happened there as Rahm Emanuel effectively folded and the teachers won what was largely seen as a victory. Um, I, I don't think that Lori Lightfoot wants that as her as the, you know, takeaway from this current conflict. And there's a way out of that where she won't be uh, reflecting the type of approach that Rahm Emanuel had and that she could uh, settle this contract and give teachers a fair deal. And I agree with you and a lot of other people that she would be celebrated if she did that. So this is a good chance for her to prove not only that she's not Rahm, but that she is the type of mayor that she campaigned to be. Yeah, uh, absolutely. If if she figured out a way out of this teacher strike uh, with uh, that enabled... uh, her to say that she was adequately funding the the classrooms and, and adding uh, nurses, et cetera, and so forth. She would be here to the left. Now, whether there's there's always some few holdouts who just are going <laughs> to want to fight Lori Lightfoot to the bitter end. Uh, so the, yeah, they may not be satisfied. Well, what but. you see it too, and I, you know, I I don't think I've am the first to see this, but if you go out to these rallies, the signs are starting to change, and they're getting a lot harder edge towards. Uh, Lori Lightfoot. And when I talk to teachers, you know, you mentioned Pride and Joy of uh, Whitney Young. I've saw a number of my former uh, teachers out on the picket lines over the past few days. And these are people that voted, some of them voted for Lori and that supported
supported her. And now they're the same type of people saying, this is what we got. You know, this is this is what we voted for. No, no, no. We, you know, we thought we were going to be getting uh, a new direction. Let the light in. You know, we got to have a new uh, approach to city politics that treats public employees and teachers as um you know, bearers of the public trust. And, and when we're not doing that, when we're saying that they're greedy or they want to bail out, then that's going to piss a lot of people off and it's going to get them thinking maybe this isn't the type of mayor we thought she was going to be. All right. Young Kenneth Davis is in the studio. We're going to bring him on in a little while. So, but before we uh, do that, let's shift to national uh, issues, uh, Miles. And uh, I know you're very disappointed uh, that Congressman Tim Ryan has ended mm-hmm. his uh, uh, presidential campaign. We're now down to only 18 uh, Democrats running. Uh, and uh, I believe that uh, Ken Davis will announce he's running for president <laughs> next, tomorrow. So it'll be up to 19 when Kenneth uh, throws his hat in the ring. Just kidding, everybody. Uh, Tim Ryan, um, we've talked about him. I think you and I have to actually talked about him. He was the one in the debate, one of the first debates, who said he, uh, he was against a single-payer Medicare for All plan because he was going to be protecting the union uh, negotiated health care plans that so many workers love. <laughs> loved and uh obviously uh that message uh, didn't sail uh no. and he is out of the race well he I, th- I think was an exemplar of this what the democratic party has turned out for so long which is these kind of tired centrists that want to be able to appeal to middle america as if you know the you know he's a congressman from ohio i understand that you know that's a battleground state and you know, Democrats want to win there, but I do not think that Tim Ryan ever represented the current, the you know, the current energy in the Democratic Party and where uh, the activism of the base is right now. Um, and there's plenty of people just like Tim Ryan that are occupying that same uh, space that he is. You know, there you could vote for Amy Klobuchar if you wanted. You could vote for Pete Buttigieg, who's now angling to become the candidate of kind of the neoliberal corporate elite as well. So I don't think that he ever was able to carve out space to make himself uh, seem different enough. And, you know, it's kind of, you, you remember last time, right? We had Lincoln Chafee and Martin O'Malley, these people that were also running. And What a memory. <laughs> you remember Lincoln Chafee? Oh, uh, sadly, <laughs> my brain is full of ridiculous Wow, I remember, yeah, Lincoln Chafee from Rhode Island. He's, from uh, Rhode Island. He was another one of these guys that yeah. was just running in the same kind of, you know, tired centrist lane, and it just doesn't work. That's not what people want. You saw, you saw on Saturday, Bernie Sanders had 26,000 people out for his rally with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. That's where, you know, energy is. Tim Ryan was not getting 26,000 people out. I don't know who he was getting out, but not enough to mount a credible campaign. And I think we're, hopefully we're going to see that continue to happen with a lot of these other campaigns that can't register above 1% in the polls and can't um, raise enough money to stay through to the end. And uh, so, do you think that, that that AOC endorsement of Bernie Sanders is a game changer in any way? Uh, or do you think it's just uh, Bernie, you know, getting his, his already enthusiastic supporters are even more enthusiastic? Well, I just, you know, you could do a little thought experiment, right, and say what, what would have happened if that weekend um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Ilhan Omar... Um, and now Rashida Tlaib, it looks like, on Sunday is going to endorse Bernie. What if this whole group of the squad had endorsed Elizabeth Warren? Um, 
I think you would have seen a complete, you know, blackout of Bernie Sanders campaign and every national story would have been, you know, about how Elizabeth Warren is building up all this progressive energy. When Bernie got the endorsement of these people, it was on like page nine of the uh, New York Times the next day. It's, you know, the people are treating it as if this means nothing when he had the biggest um, event of the entire campaign, even bigger than Trump's rallies, you know, the 26,000 people out there. So I do think it injected some new energy into his campaign. I think you're going to see that reflected in the fundraising numbers. Uh, but also it's going to open the door to more endorsements. And you just saw today, actually, three aldermen here in the city came out and endorsed Bernie, uh, Rosana Rodriguez of the 33rd Ward, Byron Sigjo of the 25th, and Carlos Rosa the 35th. So I think you're going to start to see more of a cascade of young, uh, progressive people of color supporting Bernie and putting the lie to the, you know, with common media refrain that Bernie is the candidate of white bros everywhere. When, you know, you have people like <laughs> Ocasio-Cortez and well, Rosana Rodriguez saying, no, Bernie's my guy. Well, as Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor said when she, on the show, uh, she's Watch your mouth. Well, <laughs> she said a lot of things I, I won't say. Man, right. the F-bomb was flying oh, when she came Lord. on the show. Uh, but, well, by the way, we have a, a separate download, so you could uh, you just can download, download that Benny J. Bonus interview right now at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download podcasts. Thank you, Mr. Radio School. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, she said she was for Bernie, and uh, so I said, oh, you're a sister for Sanders. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's a little different. Sanders' sister. A Sanders' sister. Oh. That's correct, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, Brian, I'd love to ask you about Tulsi versus uh, Hillary. I think we'll save that for next time yeah. around. That's a, uh, an, uh, an obsession that's growing in my brain. I, I don't know how many people care about it. I know Ken Davis uh, probably has been taking the deep dive into that one. Uh, but before, I've got to let you go, but I, we need a chicken update. Yeah. All yeah. right, give us that chicken update. So, uh, to you remind, brought chicken. I didn't bring any chicken, oh, but, uh, but, but there's, this is a hopeful story. So, uh, you know, uh, listeners may remember that I penned a piece a while back uh, about the Popeye's chicken sandwich, this long, you know, admired uh, culinary artifact that now seems to be in the dustbin of history. But I want to tell everybody that news reports say that it is coming back. Um, that uh, The chicken sandwich? The chicken sandwich will be back. And this is the, you know, the um, update is that Popeye's says that they're going to be hiring a whole stream of new workers to handle the deluge of demand for the sandwich. So, you know, the hundreds and hundreds of new workers are going to be stocking the stores. They said there's going to be, you know, two employees at a lot of stores just to handle making the chicken sandwiches. Now, I don't want to say this has solved the problems that I point out in my article by any means. What we need to have is a living wage for fast food workers, and they need to have actual democratic control of their workplaces. That's what I believe, and I think that's the only way we can actually make this sandwich live up to its potential uh, because of how delicious it is. But it is a good sign, I think, that the company is building up its workforce so that all of the massive demand will not be uh, shouldered by um, horribly poorly paid employees. So starting November, early November, they say the sandwich is going to be back um, and that they are going to have new employees for it. So um, that article is at uh, jacobin.com and it's a Popeye's chicken sandwich under socialism. I encourage people to <laughs> check it out. That Wait, is my about, vision. You, you wrote the second article too, correct? I wrote. I wrote. I wrote that article. That's the one I wrote. Yeah. Man, you know, I always listen. 
in this business, you get so little credit for doing anything. I just take credit for a lot of stuff, <laughs> even whether I get it or not. I'm probably, we're going to do a little TIFF conversation with young Kenneth Davis. I'll be taking credit for absolutely everything. Uh, but so give yourself credit. Hey, all you Popeye's workers out there, you owe Miles a free well, chicken sandwich. Well, I, I, I think that they need to be getting paid. I mean, I say they should be getting paid $20 an hour. I also think that they should be able to unionize. They should be able to, you know, be benefiting from this chicken sandwich and not just seeing uh, corporate profits soar, which is what I think you're going to see in the next when the the earnings are released next time so can i, I think there's a long long way to go can i ask a question about this um the, the supply chain though well not it's not just the workers inside the stores it's it's where these chickens are of coming course. from where they're being processed who's processing them is there, is there any reporting on that well, the the industrial food chain in our in our country is a disgrace. I mean, the, the way that not only the the economy of it works, which in, in, in which the you know there's private food producers that are making all the money off of it. They're not you know locally sourcing any of the chicken or the the, the breading for the sandwiches. But also, um, as you said, I mean, there's an ethical issue in terms of the treatment of the workers at these facilities that is supplying the chicken as well as the animals themselves. So I think there's a long way to go on all of those. Things. And I do address that. Uh, those issues in the article. All right, very good. Before we let you out the door, I just want to say all this talk of chicken reminds me that last night I was with my friends watching the Bulls season opener, and uh, we dined on fried chicken from the Chicken Shack in Evanston. It was delicious. I was wolfing it down as my beloved Bulls lost a heartbreaker. One point. Oh, my God. Anyway. Don't I get me started. Don't get that. me started. But I'm very proud of the fact we really oh, ahead, get him brought, <laughs> broadening our uh, – Dennis is allowed – this is my way. Dennis is allowing me to talk about uh, – basketball so we've done a few uh, uh, podcasts about basketball we just did one our prediction show which is you could all check it out if you're a basketball fan you did not participate in the uh the prediction show because i'm, I'm always dragging you in the studio i'm gonna give miles a vacation so before you leave i need to get your prediction how many games will my beloved bulls win this year well sadly uh i did make i do remember last week i made a kind of absurd prediction of 45 wins yeah. after seeing that display last night i'm bringing it down to 35 oh i see this question 35 man he just jumps off the bandwagon hey, 35 <laughs> is still going to be a i mean you know they won 22 games last year that's, that's still going to be a massive increase they got to get some defense you saw the charlotte hornets hit a franchise record of threes right. on the bulls what are we doing here <laughs> boiling yeah miles jumped off the bandwagon uh ben how are your beloved bears doing ah <laughs> oh, bears didn't i predict they would win all their games yeah including you did the super bowl bears are so terrible miles i, I refuse to even watch the bears that's how bad the bears are. Well, I just want to give a quick plug uh, uh, to uh, another article that I wrote alongside uh, the aforementioned Micah Utrecht in The Guardian uh, a few days ago about the teacher's strike. It's called um, Chicago Teacher's Strike Shows How to Go on Offense Against Austerity. So uh, check that out at uh, The Guardian. And, you know, you can follow me at, on Twitter at, at Miles K. Lassen. And uh, check out in these times. We've got tons of coverage on the teacher's strike and all kinds of other stuff that spend my day doing so check it out all right very good miles thank you so much young kenneth davis is in the studio we'll bring him on after this break oh you're trying hey everybody what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of jeff manuel 
and listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U-E-L-P-I-A-N-I-S-T dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. Chicagoland's Adult Entertainment Playground. It's the world-famous Admiral Theater, 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago, and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city. 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world-famous Admiral Theater, open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m., 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For events, showtime, and other information, visit AdmiralX.com. Must be 18 years of age or older to enter. We're not anywhere on enforcement language, and that's actually the problem because enforcement language is going to cost money, and the mayor's running around the city talking about you can't bail CPS out. A bailout mm. for a smaller class size? Mm. Come on, that's not a bailout. That's an investment in the future of our country. That's right. You know, and so the, the, the paradigm has to shift. She has to get out of the way of success. She has to get out of the way of a monumental legacy building contract that she will actually benefit from where she will be a hero. Like the mayor has an opportunity to make this work for herself. Okay, everybody, hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Thursday, October 24th is just moments away. But before we get into that, we need to thank the following unions for sponsoring this program. First up, the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and of course, today's program is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two, let's go. Thursday, October 24th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. <laughs> In this hour of the program, one man, and one man only, former host of the Chicago Newsroom, Budget guru? We're going to find out. We're going to find out. Kenny D. Kent Davis. And now your host, 
And Benny J. Benjarovsky. Yes, uh, Ken Davis was the host of a great show called The Ken Davis Show. Well, I was the only person who called it The Ken Davis Show. Everybody else insisted on calling it The Chicago Newsroom or whatever they called it. Uh, ah, once nostalgia. again. <laughs> a walk down nostalgia lane. And let's, can we just take, since we're walking down nostalgic lane, can we just re, uh, just tell the story again how Ken... <laughs> no, not Ken, again. About the last show and how you got screwed yeah, on the last I didn't show. Yeah, screwed, really. Uh, I mean, it was kind of a... Ken goes, Ben, I've thought about all the guests I've had in this show, and I really... You know, There's I, no I, one. There is no one I'd rather have. <laughs> ben, Benny J. There's no one I'd rather have on my final show, show than you. Than you. Will you please come? I go, I'm so honored, young Kenneth. Yes, I'll be there. I'll just totally change my day. I'll start my show later just to be in a show. And then, uh, Ben, I hate to say this to you, but Lori Lightfoot got back to me. Uh, beat it, okay? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> uh, she, was, she was in her third day as mayor at the wow. time. So, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. Hey, Ben, um, uh-huh. this is my attorney, by the way, Will Johnson. I just I brought him <laughs> along just in case there's any hey, legal problems. Oh, hey, Will. Uh, because, and, and also, so I brought this along for you. I think you're going to oh, need yeah. that. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> he brought the Grouch. This is, uh, uh, oh my. Ken I, Davis brought Groucho Mark glasses. Yeah, a disguise. Yeah, since our camera isn't working. Uh, yeah, yes, this is disguise glasses because I joked around uh, that I'm in all kinds of trouble because uh, of City Club Gate. This is one of my favorite topics of conversation. The, one <laughs> it really of the, is. One of the many co- collateral damages, uh, Ken. Why are you so obsessed with this? I mean, it's oh, just, you're, well, I the mean, bulls I can understand, but this... I can understand this more than the Bulls, all right? Uh, <laughs> the Bulls is just a cry for help, all right? Yeah. It's like me trying to go back into my childhood and well, just... Well, this is like Commonwealth moment. Edison having a cry for help. They just needed some they, help. All right, let's Getting help, a rate increase. Let's help all our listeners out. <laughs> and and this probably has to do with my, my uh, feelings about how I fit into... This is like the giant, you know, circle of Chicago. And the City Club for years and years... Uh, by the way, Danny Mahopoulos, let, let me just promote our bonus. We did an interview with young Dan uh, from WBEZ, extraordinary investigative reporter who broke this story. And that'll be airing, I think, on Saturday. Anyway, uh, so do you this, really still call him Miopolis? When his uh, name is Mielopoulos? I, I call him usually young Daniel. Oh, or, my God. <laughs> Danny. Or, uh, I'm just trying to suck up to Dan. That's all. Uh, I know how to pronounce your name. Uh, very good. Well, I figured out Duke Mossville about two weeks ago. So uh, Yeah, I got some issues. A lot of issues, okay? I'm struggling with my whole life. So anyway, so this is It's because of all the Javorskis. Yeah, Javorskis. Right? Right, right, it's, yeah. it's a miracle I could pronounce my own name. Did I tell you I had dyslexia? Yeah, I had yeah, a tendency yeah. to reverse things. Anyway, uh, so... Uh, young Daniel uh, wrote this story about the City Club with Dave McKinney. Got to give him a shout out as well for WBEZ. And the City Club, let me just explain this, Ken. I don't know what your attitude toward the City Club is, but I just have always thought, I've never been a big fan of the City Club. It's just like everybody comes together and pretends that the system's legit. And the system is just like not legit, okay? It's an illegitimate system. Like there's some who are just feeding off of it, and including many people, many people who are sitting in the city club room. Uh-huh. Uh, in that room, where they get together and they listen to public officials 
and they all say what a great job they are doing. And I just never. Anyway, they invited me. I guess they were desperate. Uh, they just. I guess you're some a, other guests. Part of the of the, the fabric. conversation. Well, they yeah. they invited me, mm-hmm. and I broke down, and I went. And the only reason I went is because uh, this guy. Yeah. I had to go go <laughs> promote the show. Like anybody's going to listen in the city club. Anyway, they gave me this <laughs> wonderful. This is just wonderful little certificate. Okay, yes, it's beautiful, and it's signed by Jay Doherty. No, no, no. It was okay. No, let's get. To, so anyway, I'm at, uh, so there I am sitting there. I can tell nobody wants to hear what I have to say at the city club. Right, you know, my right. my typical radical lefty stuff, and they, they can't wait for me to leave. They give me the certificate. I beat it. You know, next and next week we got Lori Lightfoot coming in. All right, well, you know, we we're sold out for the Lori Lightfoot show, but we have plenty of rooms upstairs. We can watch it on TV. Uh, not like this bomb here. Nobody cares. Anyway, so I leave the city club. All right. I did my city club thing. And all right, Dennis, you happy? I did the city club thing. Yeah, I was I was happy. I didn't know they were. Anyway, so I get the certificate. Lo and behold, I read, I can't even say my beloved bright one because I read it on uh WBZ, your beloved WBZ. WBZ, damn uh and uh, David Kitty, they wrote this great story about how the head of the city club uh apparently is a lobbyist, Jay Doherty is a lobbyist for Commonwealth Edison and somehow or other in this never ending investigation into absolutely everything dealing with southwest side politics and uh, southwest suburban politics and democratic uh, uh, corruption and Michael Joseph Madigan. Somehow or other, Commonwealth Edison is involved. Uh, Young Daniel thinks that perhaps it's because they were hiring, the feds are looking to see whether they were uh, hiring uh, 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 foot soldiers for Michael Madigan, just giving them uh, do-nothing jobs as a paying back Madigan. Who knows? But that's what they've... So they, they've uh, investigated. They went to the city club and they raided the city club. I was just like, <laughs> Ken, the irony there, isn't that the place where you go to talk about corruption? Like, how terrible it is. Right. What's the corruption? We're going to discuss the corruption tax. <laughs> Dick Simpson will be here and David Orr and all the other good government types. Uh-huh. Let's discuss the... And then they were Andy. raiding... Yeah, Andy Shaw. You know. I don't regret making you go. <laughs> Great content. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that. Plus, I got this. Re- anyway, so look at I, this. You got you got the name thing. And, and where's that glass? And, you, and <laughs> right here in front of me, you put it in front of me. It's it's the city club. You don't know how much I'd love to have one of these. <laughs> you never got invited to the city club. No, are you kidding? Those Why bastards? Would I be <laughs> oh God. Wait, time out. Did you ever go to a city club gathering? I go to them all the time. I just go as a media. I just go sign in on the press thing, and I can go and. Stay Stand in the corner and watch it. Oh wait, time out. Did they give you free food when you go as a press? They do, but I don't take it. I don't want their free food. Wow, it's like uh, we yeah. the ideals. On I stand. This guy. I see. I see all of the most luminary people in <laughs> Chicago media at the at the trough, <laughs> feeding all that free well, food. You know, you're not. A and sp- I decide not to. Do you're it. not a sports fan, but one of the greatest scams, <laughs> and I urge you to do this. I don't know if they still. Do. I, back in the day, I did a couple sports stories, and I went to uh, uh, the Cubs and White Sox and Bulls. They feed the media. Oh yeah, in the old yeah, days. Sure Man, these do, sports yeah. writers, it's, oh, God. it's still old times. Yeah, like, yeah, and then they'd be complaining. Right, they're not even paying for the food. Yeah. Hey, the Mustachelli's not that good today. Okay, you're not old enough to remember this, but oh, Janie, wow. God <laughs> bless you for saying that. <laughs> Jane Byrne tried that a few times. She had a couple of things like where, uh, well, the, the first uh, taste of Chicago. She had a big spread in the press room with all all of them standing there with all the chafing dishes, all food for the media. Nobody went. Nobody took a thing. 
and it was just really because you know they were just trying to make a point to Jane Brown. I think they uh, were all they, they were, were like dying to really take dying it, dying to take it, right? But nobody took anything, and and I just thought that was really well. Funny. I got to tell you, along those lines, uh, two thousand four hundred and fifty-two years ago, when I uh, I had a moment where I was a copy boy for the Chicago Daily News. I am not making this may up. It rest in peace. And may it rest in peace. And uh, I'd be riding running around the old Chicago Sun Times, Chicago Daily News uh, newsroom. The great, the legendary. Irv Cupsonet, Cup, mm -hmm. a columnist for the uh, Sun Times for years and years and years. Uh, he had his office there, and at Christmas time, man, the piles of presents <laughs> outside his office. And I think he just let him sit there to show the world that he was not going to take the presence of uh -huh, yeah, people. Yeah, wow. yeah. Or maybe he just waited till Christmas was over right. and took them anyway. I don't know. But the legendary cup. Man, I see the piles of presents in there. So You know, w whenever I come here, we get into this whole digression thing. And, yeah. and sometimes we get like five, six, eight levels low. <laughs> but the, the, the most serious case of that that I ever saw was Dorothy, uh, uh, um, sorry, uh, the... Uh, Meet, uh, the, the courts, uh, Dor Dorothy, Dorothy Browns, thank you very much. I was doing some video work once and I had to do something with an interview in her office. I've never seen anything, have you ever been in her actual office? It is unbelievable, it is like, well, now this was years ago, yeah, I don't know if it still I can't is. Remember. Floor to ceiling of clocks, like glass clocks and, and crystal clocks that people have given her all engraved saying, thank you, you know, clerk, Brown for all of your help and all that, just like gifts around the whole room. It's just you know I uh, I can't recall you bringing up Dorothy uh, Brown uh, if I was in her office where it was, but uh, we're going to be talking about tiffs in a little while, so it all comes together, uh, Ken. Uh, but back in two thousand and seven, Dorothy Brown was running against Mayor Daley. Yes, uh, and she was the only candidate I think, the most or at least the best known candidate uh, running against Mayor Daley. And I went in there ostensibly uh, to interview her, and I ended up giving her—I'm not making this up—one uh, of my famous tutorials on tips. Oh, I was already you know? crusading against oh, tips. It was 12 years ago, all right, and I was already like in the year five of it. And uh, so I remember sitting down and explaining to her how the TIF program works. So that's why you endorsed her. Yes, I do. <laughs> I would have voted. I, I would have voted for anybody. The headline of the article I wrote was just like vote against him. I voted for her too, and I I did it because of your column. Well, yeah, uh, God, like, thank you. Vote for anybody. <laughs> but daily. Yeah, yeah. So here, but let's all vote for Dorothy Brown. Dorothy so Brown. And it, but Ken, I could tell it was in one ear and out the other. <laughs> and she was like thinking, who is this lunatic? Uh, you know. No, she uh, was thinking, how can I get some of this TIFF money? Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Which is what every mayor uh, comes right. to the decision. Right. Get rid of the TIFF program? It's been crazy. This when is I my money. Mayor, it's going to all be mine. Right. It's mine, mine. I can spend it however I want. Even as I say reforming it. I know. So, the yes. city club. Oh, yes. Back to the city club. <laughs> so, uh, Dan and Dave McKinney did this great story yes, about did. how the feds are knocking on the door of the city club. They raided the city club. And now suddenly I'm worried. I spoke at the city club. Right, I know. Will the feds be raiding me? Right. You know? And, <laughs> so, and, the, and now that you've got, the, you've got the certificate right there, I mean, it proves that you're a part of this. Well, uh, so I the signature, I had Dan Mahopoulos when he was on the show, <laughs> sign it, okay? But then the pen ran out of ink, so he, 
That's why I didn't completely finish autographing my oh. city club certificate. It's kind of a weird paper. It's hard to write on. Yeah. Uh, you could see that like, all these pens went out, ran oh, out of yeah, ink as yeah. Dan was yeah. trying to sign it. Oh, that's what that signature is. Yeah, that's oh, Dan's. I, I said, yeah, Dan, would yeah. you sign this certificate? <laughs> it's so appropriate. But Ken, wise guy that he is, brought the Groucho Marx disguise right. so that if the feds do come a knocking and go, yeah. hey, Ben, what do you know about the city club? Uh, and Dennis me? is going to eat that certificate. <laughs> yeah, I'll eat it. And Ken, that's all I was going to say. And that's why the door was locked when you tried coming in today. I'm just keeping it locked. Oh, God. Quit right. scaring me, Ken. Well, anyway, I mean, uh, come on. Let's just take a moment. What You must have laughed when you saw that the city club. Is there no place in Chicago that won't be raided by the feds? The city club, Ken. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the city club. But yeah, it's, it, it's a, a, but I mean, Ben, you know, don't don't start getting all high and mighty on us. Look, little <laughs> Commonwealth Edison. I mean, they're just a little company just trying to make it in a big man's world, you know, trying to make electricity and everything. And they needed to get that rate hike. Yeah. Right? I mean, their rates weren't high enough. So what did they do? Appar- allegedly, well, no one knows this for sure, but there seems to be some evidence that they went around hiring politicians, friends, uh, and uh, and then in return, the politicians voted for that. Uh, By the way, here's the, here's the, se- the secret. What's wrong with that? I, nothing wrong with it. Absolutely not. I love it's this the city. free market. You, <laughs> don't, you don't understand the free market. You've never understood it. I know. I, I know one thing about a free market. It ain't free to me. Uh, but, you know, the, the funny thing is, is that they probably could have gotten the rate hikes even if they didn't hire the politicians, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, uh, yeah they probably could have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, what the heck? Hey, your, your kid wants a job? No problem. Bring and according up. to Danny, um, um, how what was, what was the, what's the number? It was $530,000 over eight years that Jay Doherty was paid, has been paid by Commonwealth Edison. I mean, legitimately as one of their That's uh, the lobbyists. City. That's the city. City club. No, no. That, it's, that, I think that's just the money he was paid to lobby the city of Chicago. Oh, is that right? Yeah, oh, yeah. just a lobby. Yeah, we don't know. Oh, Dan was explaining okay. this why right. I know this. Uh, my point like was just that it's the, a lot of yeah, money. Yeah, it's a lot of money. Yeah. Dan was pointing this out. To, again, I'm giving away the show, D, before we drop the show on Saturday. We'll be dropping it. Uh, that's fine. That's fine. Is that good radio school that stuff? Gives me, like, it's like a little it's tease. It's promoing ahead. Yeah, yeah. It's a tease? Okay. Yeah. A tease. It's like a, a preview of a movie. Like, I just watched the the preview last night of the Dolomite, the new Eddie uh, Murphy movie. And so, okay, it's like that. Uh, so, <laughs> it's exactly like that. <laughs> uh, can't wait for that movie uh, to uh, drop on Netflix. But anyway. But we digress. Yeah, uh, by digress. Uh, tangent within a tangent. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so what Dan was saying is that apparently the state does not require lobbyists to detail how much money they get paid uh, to lobby oh, the state. Oh, that's right. And yes, it's just yeah, the yeah, city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Dan knows yeah. the rule book by heart. Right. And so right. he knew that. And I'm right. like, God, who would have ever thought oh, that the yes. city had a higher standards than the state? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a great, our state of Illinois, ladies and gentlemen. But the city club, man, and that's where Republicans come. That's like where Democrats and Republicans, they all come, come together. They come together because we believe in good government, mm-hmm. you know, and, right. and just uh, airing out and uh, partisanship, uh, you know, bipartisanship. Bipartisanship, yeah. <laughs> Well, here come the fans. And, and oh, good eating at Maggiano's. And good evening at Maggiano's. All right. Uh, All so right. you got so, Ken Davis in the studio. You're going to talk budget. You got, and you have something you want to play for us, D? Uh, well, I have a quick update here first uh, before we go any further. Uh, sh- Chicago teachers strike update here. Uh-oh. This is a 1237 from the Chicago Sun-Times. And no, it's not that big update. Oh. A deal has been cut. No, oh. no. Uh, it says here the parents of 14 cross-country runners at Jones College Prep filed a complaint in Cook County. Circuit Court against the Illinois.
Illinois High School Association and the Chicago Board of Education on Thursday on behalf of all Chicago public school athletes that have missed out on state playoffs as a result of the Chicago Teachers Union strike. The complaint filed by attorney Kevin Sterling claims that removing the athletes from the IHSA state competition is, quote, in violation of the rights conferred on CPS student athletes to participate in such competitions during the strike. Yeah, well, that is... Uh, that makes sense to me. I don't know. Which part? That the, 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 the athletes shouldn't have to... Really? You Just know, you, when you say that, you're... Oh, wait, it, you think they should be allowed to participate? Yeah, okay, I do. Yeah, me I mean, I know that's that's probably anti-union, but... No, 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 it, it's it, it's not the union. Uh, that's a provision of the Illinois oh, High School Association. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. Eric Zorn uh, wrote about this, so let's yeah. give a shout-out to yeah, uh, young Eric. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he wrote about this in the Tribune. And, uh, yeah, I what the heck? Uh, it's so funny, though, that I just have to point this out. Just the great concern uh, that uh, Chicago is, sh- is showering on young athletes mm-hmm. in the Chicago public yeah, schools. Yeah. If anybody who's ever been to a Chicago facility yeah. realizes how uh, backwards they are in relation to the suburbs. But mm-hmm. when the teachers go on strike, suddenly everybody's concerned about the young athletes. But good for yeah. oh, good for those Jones parents, huh? Uh, so that's the update on that. All right, let's go to budget and budget talk. Ken Davis, you've been following budgets in the city of Chicago for many, many years. You were a reporter back in the day at WBEZ, so you followed it that way. You had a talk yeah. show, you had people come in, and then you worked for the Daily Administration. Yeah. So you know a thing or two about how uh, budgets are prepared, how the sausage is made. Well, actually, stuff. I don't, but I mean, I, <laughs> I there's only two or three people who actually know that part because they just go into a room and do it. Yeah. But, but yeah. I, we I have mean, a sense of it, how it goes. Yeah. So yeah. how do you think this, uh, how do you think Lori played her card yesterday? Well, you know, it's really hard not to really step into it up to your waist, isn't it? Very quickly in this stuff. I mean, I've been listening to you and, and you know, reading things. Everybody's kind of, with every hour that goes by, it gets a little bit more tense and, and, and things can be easily misconstrued. And the last thing you want to do is say something kind about, Lori Lightfoot at a time like this, or, you know, it just, it, it gets, it gets really tricky. I already said two nice things about her today, so feel free yeah. to jump in. Well, I would say this. The one thing that I, that I, that I do find myself feeling rather strongly about is the easy opportunity people are taking to, com- to pretend that Rahm Emanuel is still mayor. And that the people Rahm Emanuel put in place to run education in Chicago are still there. Mm-hmm. And that is the part that's not true. And and I think you have to, I, I really believe that it's only fair play to say, come on, give Lori Lightfoot a little bit of opportunity. She's been in the office for whatever it is, 20 weeks or something. Mm-hmm. And she definitely ran on a on a platform that she was she could almost have been a CTU delegate mm-hmm. if you if you heard what she was saying and i believed her and i think a lot of people did i said on my final tv show i admitted publicly that i voted for her and it wasn't out of shame i voted for her proudly i thought uh, she could have, she could bring in a new way of looking at things and i have not changed my opinion despite what's going on now because i do know 
again, as somebody, one of these, one of the few advantages of being an old dude is that you've seen all this stuff come around many, many times. And there's no time when the rhetoric is more uh, difficult than it is in the middle of a strike when both sides have to throw stones at each other, whether they want to or not. And I, I, I admire the fact that Lori Lightfoot is different from Rahm Emanuel in that she is not uh, igniting flames. She's not going around being incendiary and, and saying things like, well, you know, you guys already make too much money or, you know, something like that. I think she's playing it about as well as I think I could if it were I uh, or you, for that matter. I don't know that either of us could do a could could take a more reasonable position than she's taking at this point. There are there are things that that don't get talked about when we're in this really heightened uh, emotional state, and one of them is just the fiscal situation that the city of Chicago is in. Now, I heard you and Troy a couple, was two days ago, three days ago, mm-hmm. Troy LaRavier, and I loved it. I thought it was such a great conversation. And I thought Troy LaRavier put a lot of stuff on the table that I had not heard before that was new. Some of the things about um, the, uh, uh, sorry, my mind just keeps going blank here, but but the, 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 um, the staffing ratios mm, of schools ratio, and, yeah. and how when um, when you look at, at the smaller school systems throughout the state and you compare it to the city of Chicago, Chicago does not compare well. These are important things. These are important discussions that need to be had in public and people need to keep these things in mind. However, I thought you guys kind of confused things a little bit when you started talking about everything being one big pot. I mean, I agree with you for the most part, but when you're, to, when you're in the middle of negotiations about a teacher contract, it's not one pot. There, there, is, a, there is a taxing body that, that raises money for the schools, and that is the primary source of funding for this contract. The city throws stuff in and can do as much as it wants to, especially with TIF gifts and all that kind of thing. Um, but I don't think it's fair. I, the, the, I've heard it. I've heard rather extreme situations with with conversations like, well, um, you know, they gave a, Rahm Emanuel gave one point three billion dollars to a developer in Lincoln Park. We can give that one point three billion dollars to the schools. Well, you know, it's not that easy. It's not that is that is not the situation that. Mayor Lightfoot is in. I don't come here as a defender of Mayor Lightfoot. I come here as a defender of of intelligent debate, mm-hmm. and I think that I think that some of those things are are off base. On the other hand, I, I'm you know I'm also hearing people who are doing all these conversations about you know teachers are now the average teacher is being paid seventy five dollars um, an hour and all that, and that's too much. And so then you have to ask yourself, well, what does a police what does a police officer in Chicago get? I'll bet it's about that, maybe mm-hmm. maybe even a little more. So is a police officer worth more than a a teacher? Is a firefighter worth more than a police officer? I you know, I don't know that these things are all that helpful. And what we're doing is we're filling the void while these guys are in a room debating. Well, let me say this about... Sorry for going on. No, that was really well done. And uh, I've been having conversations with Ken Davis for 40 years almost. Yeah. And you always play a role of somebody who's rational and somebody who's dispassionate and someone who's interested in arriving at more or less the truth 
and as close as you can come. Uh, as close as you can possibly come to it in this political city where nothing is legitimate, as we just learned and with the city no club, right. uh, and the truth is controlled by people who are concealing the truth. Right, absolutely. And I was taught by the great John McDermott when I started in, in uh, covering politics in Chicago, writing about uh, news in Chicago at the Reporter newspaper newsletter many years ago, that we should gather the facts. Study a situation, gather facts, and come at the truth and mm -hmm. leave opinions out of it. That's how I was trained, which is so bizarre where I am now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, I quickly learned, Ken, that only a handful of people do that in the city of Chicago, and I'm talking to one right now. Mm -hmm. And in the reality of the city of Chicago, it's a very political game, and so truth is lost. So think about what you just said. In a real world, like we really wanted to talk about uh, the problems facing us. We'd be like those engineers in, I forget which movie, was it, Apollo 11. I remember seeing that movie where the spacecraft is having trouble and uh, the, down in Houston, they gather all the engineers in one room and they put uh, mm -hmm. on a table absolutely everything that the astronauts have mm -hmm. to deal with yeah. and rectify that right, problem. Right. And they go, you're going to figure this out with based on this. Right. And we would do the similar thing in the city of Chicago. We would say, yeah, all right, yeah. We have X amount of kids in our public schools. Mm -hmm. We have X amount of public schools. What? How many is the? How many number of nurses should we have? Right. How many number of librarians should we have? What's the optimal amount? How much money do we have? How much would it cost if we hired librarians? Yeah. What? What would that impact? Would that have on our pension? That would be. We have smart people, Ken. Mm -hmm. We have we have mathematicians in this town. Yeah. You could get computers to figure this stuff out. That rational discussion, that John McDermott-esque discussion never happens in the city of Chicago. At least I've never seen it happen in all my years. You know, what's what we're told things. So we're told, we're told, we can't afford nurses. We're told that. Mm -hmm. What? How do I know that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I see we can afford Lincoln Yards. Your point's well taken. You can't literally take the $1.3 that we're dedicating over the next 23 years to Lincoln Yards. You can't literally take that and dedicate that right now. That's money that will pour into coffers over time. I understand that. But you could think of it as a commitment. You could say, well, we're borrowing money, $1.3 billion to, over 23 years to pay for Lincoln Yards. We can borrow $1.3 billion to pay for nurses. So in that regard... And, of course, I think you could objectively say that $1.3 billion, uh, I, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not a complete hater of Lincoln Yards. I, th I think that I'd like to come back in 20 years and see it. I think it would be pretty amazing to see, uh, uh, you know. If, if we're still around at 20 years. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, but, you know, I, I am in favor of of bold, audacious development plans. I think we need them. I think they're good for us. I'm not in favor of handing out, the, of giving the store to them in order to get it started, because as we all know, they, they do it without it. So, you know, let's not, <laughs> let's not be, let's not be stupid yeah. in, in what we're thinking. But, <laughs> but the, the, the A and B comparison is what would we get for 23 years of 1.3 billion at, uh, you know, Clybourne and Fullerton, what would we get for that? And what would we get if we put $1.3 billion today into the Chicago public schools? What would, what would, what would be the 20 year on benefit from that? We don't even, we can't even imagine what might happen if, if the kids who are, who are coming into first grade today 
if they got an entire life in the Chicago Public Schools with it being funded like it's, I don't know, Evanston or something. Yeah, Yeah, right, right. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't it be incredible (laughs) if kids who don't have a home life to speak of, who who don't get fed regularly, and there are thousands of them right living a mile away from us, no matter where we live in Chicago, there are kids like this. What if we were able to take them and give them the resources that they actually need to become a motivated human being, and then stand back for 20 years and come back and look at it and see if it succeeded? I'll bet it, I'll bet it did, and the city would be so much better for it. You know, it's like what if we want to invest in our city yes we have to invest in the physical plant we have to invest in beautiful things to make the city look and feel good but the most important thing we can invest in is the kids the, the, i mean and i know that sounds stupid say it's the about it's all about the children <laughs> as mayor daly used to say it's all about the children <laughs> right but it is all about the children Absolutely. you know i mean that's the that is the fact and i that was really that was a great riff you went on there ken and uh, by the way one more time I urge everybody to read mary mitchell today she wrote a really yes, moving column I agree. uh and she talks about the conflicting pressures that Lori lightfoot is facing and i don't and i know it's easy to minimize those pressures because like i represent the left and i'm demanding that she spend the money more right. equitably right. but there's Powerful people, far wealthier than me, far more powerful, far more influential. I don't know if they're more wealthy than you. But yeah, well, that's yeah. true. I'm fat. You know, being a podcaster, Kenny, you don't know how much money we make, okay? It's a lot of money in podcasting. Yeah, you you, you want to ride in our limo after show? Yeah, right. It's called the CTA. Uh, and uh, it just comes right up over to Racine yeah, Avenue yeah. and picks us up. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's, there's uh, developers and money men who are far more influential than me who get a hold of the mayor, and they're pressing her with their concerns. So I know she's in the middle. At the same time, Mary Mitchell really does a good job of, yeah. of evoking what kids are facing. And yeah, you're absolutely correct. Uh, the city, you talk about like a, a, a debate free of any kind of bias. Just think about the Lincoln Yards debate. Yeah. At no point did what any... Debate? Yes, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> what debate? I don't remember one. At, I went to a couple of meetings, uh, but no, I don't remember. No debate. At no point did yeah. anybody in a position of power... The city of Chicago, the planning department, the board of education, the city council, the mayor's office. At no point did anybody ask the question you asked, which is, if we don't fund this project, Mm -hmm. what will happen to this land that's in the middle of the most gentrifying community already? Mm -hmm. What will happen? Yeah. They just they just said, oh, this land will not be developed, right. which is, of course, nobody believes that. So you talk about feeding uh, just the sense uh, that the whole system is illegitimate and there's no point. They say something, Ken, they argue something that's absolutely absurd. Could I dig- Go digress for just a second? It's it's a it's a pretty major digression. But the Lincoln Yards thing, the thing that really has me ticked off about Lincoln Yards right now mm-hmm is that I saw Dave Roeder Roeder did a a piece in the Sun-Times a couple months ago, maybe a month month and a half ago, about how, uh, and I'm not not criticizing him in this, I'm just saying that that it was a piece about how Lincoln Yards has announced that they have cleaned up. They've cleaned up all of that horribly polluted area right there, right by the river. And that, you know, this is a, this is a benefit that we've received from the city of Chicago as, as citizens of the city of Chicago, Lincoln Yards did this for us. Thank you very much, Lincoln Yards. And when I read it, I read it through the eyes of the guy who was the chief 
spokesperson many years ago for the Department of Environment when the city of Chicago had a Department of Environment. And we had an entire division of people whose only jobs was to go around and and inspect what we called tank yanks. When you when you take a filthy tank full that was leaking some kind of gruesome material into the soil and the subsoil and a a a a, a a removal of that tank requires a whole lot of very technical expertise that has to be very carefully monitored by federal and local agents because you don't know how far down into the soil that stuff permeated. You don't know what it was. And this was a steel mill, okay? You can't think of anything that would have polluted the ground more than what that steel company did right there on that ground for years, for decades, almost 100 years, all right? So we get a press release saying, oh, and by the way, we've cleaned all that soil up. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. You're really welcome. Okay, well, maybe they did. And, and you know, I don't, I, I'm not here to cast aspersions against the good people at Sterling Bay. I don't know. Maybe they have real experts, and they really did a really good job, and they spent millions of dollars, and they spent months digging very deep down and doing all kinds of investigations and checking it out with the Illinois EPA and the U.S. EPA while they were at it, <laughs> making sure everything was done. And I know that that usually takes about a year or so to get that all done. And I'm sure they did it. But I'd sure like to see a piece of paper somewhere saying that it was inspected and that it was really actually done properly. OK, this is the kind of stuff we're talking about. Exactly what you're saying about no one's ever in the the real room when the real conversation happens because that room is about the size of this and yeah. it's got about the same three people we've got yeah. sit down they have a little conversation they walk out and say okay this is the way it's going to go and they tell all their staffs and all their staffs tell everybody else and the next thing you know it's it's a, it's a decision it's been done it's been done but the real decision wasn't made on the council floor it wasn't made you know in a, a great public hearing no it was just a couple people they sat down they made the deal yes absolutely as uh, the great Ricky Hendon says more than once, there's the meeting before the meeting, and then right. there's the meeting before the meeting before the meeting. Right, right, right. He learned a lot from Ricky Hendon, uh, and uh, he, you know he, he's absolutely correct, and you're right. Uh, and so when you talk, again, going back to what we started with, when you talked about a city trying to figure out what's the best way to spend a limited amount of resources, what's the, the, the best bang for our buck? There's nothing resembling an honest discussion in the city of Chicago on these issues, Ken. I just wrote about this for the reader. Mm -hmm. I had a laugh about this. I just, mm -hmm. we're right now being told we're broke. We, we're, we're stretched to the limit. We've expended all our resources. We cannot afford the demands that the Chicago teachers are making for nurses uh, and social workers and librarians. We're told this by the very same people who a year ago were telling us we could spend untold hundreds of millions of dollars subsidizing Amazon moving to our city. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, okay. We'd find that money. What, where, what happened? <laughs> I'm like, dude, you can't have it two ways with any legitimacy. You can't say we have the money, untold amounts of money for Amazon, and then say we don't have the uh, same amount of money to invest as you say. Effectively, in fact, you're investing it directly in kids, Mm -hmm. Because you're invest, you're using it to, to hire people who will help those kids. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how we can claim we're having a legitimate debate about these things, Ken. The, okay, now can I switch sides? Go. See, this is the, this is the problem that I get into because 
almost all the good things that have ever happened in this country have happened because of organizing, have happened because of labor unions and, and the labor movement. And I, I completely and totally understand that. Right. But also a lot of some of the bad stuff that's happened in, in our in our certainly in the last century or so has been residuals from labor movements and look at look at chicago look at the budget for the city of chicago and the and the um the pension mess that we're in and i i, I certainly i'm i'm one of them by the way by by I, right. I, I receive I a i receive a small pension from the city uh, of chicago i have worked there for my for the way, 11 years so i was the city just of chicago there. yeah i think you received that pension from me well, yes, from you. And Thank I you, just, Ben. I yeah. uh, want to say Correct. one more time. Of all <laughs> the you, money, all the money that I spend every year, from <laughs> your pension, at top of the, give Kenny D a raise. This is how I can afford to uh, appear here for free. And uh, yeah. bring and, gifts. And buy you gifts and stuff, right. <laughs> like That's right. <laughs> my Groucho, uh, Groucho marks me. But your point is. But what I'm saying is, when I hear these conversations going on, I'm thinking, uh, you know, there's a little piece of me that says, do I really want to put like hundreds more nurses and everything else on this payroll that we're going to be paying for forever more that may not we may not need them in this same way later on? We don't we we lose some flexibility when we put all this stuff into contracts. And I, it's a small point, but it but it, it's just, again, part of one of the things that makes me very nervous about this. We have we all know the kinds of abuses that have happened in in the city of chicago with chicago workers okay i know this firsthand i mean <clears throat> i could tell you some fascinating stories about when the city started putting gps receive uh, uh, transmitters <laughs> on all the snow snow plows <laughs> and i actually did a video when i was working in the mayor's office uh, in, in the in streets and sand in the control room where you could see every single truck it, it, it was, when was this it, in the uh, this was in the aughts about like 2000 to 10 to 5 uh, maybe the good years of mayor richard yeah. M. In, in the Daly. peak of the mayor daily years <laughs> And this was when Al Sanchez was the head of Streets and Sand. So, you know, he knew how to clean he, up a snow-filled yes, street, all right? Yes, he did. He knew how to clean up things. <laughs> so you have this huge screen, and there's every truck. And you can see not only the truck, but you can see the trace of where that truck's been in the last hour or two. Uh -huh. So you can see that, you can see that it, it was running along Irving Park, and then it stopped, and it did like maybe, I don't know, a jewel parking lot or hey, something. Hey, man, it's got to buy groceries, Ken. No, I'm, just, I'm just making that up. But, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I know that, that the, the kinds of abuses that happen when you have large organizations of people that are, are not directly supervised you have to trust them to do things right yeah and and i get i get twitchy when i think of just going into a thing and saying yeah sure let's hire hundreds and hundreds more people i'm not sure that that makes me feel good yeah. although would i rather hire someone to look look after these uh, really needy kids in third grade yes right. so it's a weird it's a weird, a thing. weird problem i understand uh and we're gonna take a break because i would take a break and then come back and do that tiff update that you've been uh, uh promising but i will say this when it comes to contracts i always love to say this uh they're negotiating right now i don't know where they are in the negotiations on how many nurses to hire how many burdens to hire how many years they're going to hire it takes to hire them etc and so forth uh this is 
finally they're discussing this should have discussed this away from the negotiating table yeah. from the get-go i will point out i love to point out when come people talk about contractual obligations it's my favorite comeback to that we are contractually obligated to pay up to $25 million for uh, the developers, lawyers, and marketing fees <laughs> for Lincoln Yards. $25 million on lawyers. You tell me that developer can't pay for his own freaking lawyers? Okay, but that is a that is not quite a fair comparison. What I'm talking about is how how cities' payrolls just, just grow out of control over time. And big organizations like the Chicago Public Schools, again, Ben, We've both been around for a while. I remember when Joe Hannon made the announcement in 1979 that he was going to be cutting the bureaucracy. Yeah, at, yeah. Well, it wasn't Pershing Road then. It was at uh, 228 North LaSalle. That, wow, okay? what a memory. So we, we've got a huge bureaucracy here. We're going to cut it in half. And we're going to say, yeah. blah, 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 right? And as you and I have joked over the years, if, if you could put that number together for the last 30 years, they would have fired over 2 million people. Yeah. But that's not the real. All right, right very good. We're just going to take a. This is a debate that we'll have. We'll be in the senior citizen home. <laughs> happy days, happy farm. Uh, Ken, you're wrong. Uh, I'll be right there to record uh, all. Uh, of hold it. on, guys. Uh, the camera's not working, so just talking to the mics. All right, we're going to take a break. We come back. Uh, the young doctor is going to play some a tape or something from Fox TV. Please. So we'll, newfangled tape thing. Yes, a tape in 2019. <laughs> that's what I'll be playing. Not a doctor. We'll be right back. Uh, that means more police, police doing work in your neighborhoods and your wards. Likewise, we will be merging the Department of Innovation and Technology with the Department of Fleet and Facility Management to create a new department that manages assets and information. Strengthening the operations of both departments by combining their shared efficiencies, eliminating redundancies, all while reducing costs by approximately one million this coming year. And yet, while day-to-day -day operations of our technology infrastructure will be moved into one department, our chief information officer and chief data officer will then be placed in the mayor's office to ensure technology policy is seamlessly incorporated with cutting-edge approaches um, on, in how government can work more efficiently and in greater partnership with Chicago's world-class tech community. <clears throat> All right, everybody, it's football season, which means that the best sports reporters in Chicago want to offer you, yes, you, the person listening right now, an exclusive deal on unlimited digital access to all of the stories you love. The Sun-Times has always been your go-to source for sports, and now the Chicago Sun-Times is a proud partner of the Chicago Bears. Ben, make that football noise. Ready, set, 2020, huh, huh. Yeah, ready, set, 2020. Hut, hut. Blue dog. Oh, and we cannot forget blue dog. Hey, Ken, what's your football noise? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a man yawning. Falling asleep. Big football fan. He hey, loved I, just learned, I just learned what an audible was from your show Thank yesterday you. or the day before. Oh, right. I, I always heard that term. I never knew that's what an audible was. You learn, something, you learn something new every day yeah, here on the Ben yeah. Jarofsky Show. Even old guys can learn. Do not miss a game this season. Get all the big plays, scores, and stories from the Chicago Sun-Times for a limited time only. You can lock in our lowest rate yet. Only $29.99 for a full year of all the news and sports that you need to know. $29.99 for a full year of unlimited access. People, you can't do better than that. Take advantage of this exclusive deal now at suntimes.com forward slash Ben. That's suntimes.com forward slash 
B-E-N. Speaking of B-E-N, welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. That was well done. Really well done. And as I like to point out, uh, young Dennis is a proud graduate of radio school. Did you see how he did that? Yes, huh? I did. Yes, I okay? did. Okay? The yes. art is not lost. And he all can right. even do the radio voice, He too. does the radio voice. He does it all, man. <laughs> ben, pop quiz. What's this on our heads right now we're wearing? Uh, cans of cans. corn. Oh, almost. <laughs> cans. <laughs> Answer we were looking for was cans. All right. And I, I just want to put this shout out. Uh, Ear cans. Anybody out there who wants to do a bod- podcast? You send me a text, an email sent Dennis. He is the man to hire for your podcast. Yeah. I'm saying with his all sincerity. Yeah. He, one man operation makes this show work when it does work. And uh, <laughs> well, was... it's this one dude right here from Alton, Illinois, the 618. So and folks, when it doesn't work, it's not his fault. It, it's not, not it, at it all. It's not, yeah, it's not his fault. Never. It's somebody else's fault. Yeah. So uh, if anybody's interested in having their own podcast, I urge you to, uh, to reach out to us. This guy will help you. He's already doing like couple others uh as i know ah uh, yeah well we can't announce that one okay yet. all right we won't announce the uh, one but no uh, proud producer of the pat whalen uh, yeah. podcast oh, are you news. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah yeah so anybody wants to do a podcast this is the guy to talk to all right enough about me let's uh, do some updates here on the program before we get out of here uh we're talking budget with our good friend ken davis you guys are going back and forth you may disagree agree on a few things but i don't know you guys may just agree on this one right here we had a feller from well like i say all the time no one's favorite uh, Illinois political organization, the Illinois Policy Institute, Fox 32. Uh, about a week ago, I lost the controller of my uh, television, Ken, and I couldn't change the channel, and it was stuck on Fox 32. I was like, ah, crap, I guess I'll watch this or whatever. It was in the morning. And that's when I saw Stacey Davis Gates. Uh, she was riffing on there. Uh, I saw Maze Jackson on Fox 32. He's on there oh, now. We had fun with that one the other day, oh, man, Jackson. It's, it's been my guilty pleasure, I guess, uh, since I lost my controller. I found my controller, and I I still keep it on Fox 32 now. So I watched it this morning, and I noticed a gentleman by the name of Adam Schuster on uh, from the Illinois Policy Institute, and I said, oh, my God, Ben is going to riff on this. So I made sure to grab You're the audio. You're not saying Stacey Davis Gates is part of the Illinois Policy Institute, are you? No, I'm no. not. No, I'm not. No, they, I am they not. just had her on as somebody in the news. Okay, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. That was a week ago. That was ago. in the news, yeah. That was a week ago. This is today. This Adam Schuster from the Illinois Policy Institute was on Fox 32 giving his thoughts on the budget, and as soon as he started talking tips, I said, "Okay, gotta keep that for today, and make sure Ben hears this." So I've not heard this at all. Oh yeah, because okay. you—this was at like seven thirty in the morning. What time did you wake up today? Uh, no, I got up early. I got quarter to ten. Woo! Yeah, because I was up late last night watching Proud the bowls, eating fried chicken. Yeah. yeah, that fried chicken will do it. All right, here's Adam Schuster. I have two clips here uh, from the Illinois Policy Institute weighing in with his thoughts on the budget and tips. Become—I uh, think it may be in clip two where tips come up. But anyway. We'll hear it. With the Illinois Policy Institute, number cruncher that you are. Thank you for coming on again. Thanks for having me on. So you watch the address, you know the talking points. Is this blowing smoke or is this something that is a really good budget she's proposing? Uh, I'd say it's somewhere in between those two things. So there, there are some uh, one-time revenue sources in here. The, the debt refinancing, while it might be a good thing, it's something you can only rely on one year because she's kind of front-loading all the savings from that. Uh, some of the other revenue sources she's asking for require help from Springfield, but I think she's doing the best she can with a really bad set of options. She started with this $838 million hole that's a giant deficit to have to close. And more than she expected. And m- much more than she expected, and it's really being driven by the cost, or the rising cost of pensions. So while she's doing the best she can. She's being, uh, you know, creative and uh, trying to, to, to find new ways of making this work. She really should be the, the advocate for pension reform in Springfield. That's the help she should be asking for. 
<laughs> uh, pension reform. That means cutting pensions for geezers <laughs> like Ken Davis. Uh, <laughs> that's pension reform. So already they're not being honest with the words they use. Yeah, you mean pension cuts. Great, just yeah, just yeah. say pension yeah. cuts. Yeah, yeah. That's what they mean. And by the way, the Illinois Policy Institute, just as anybody remembers, was Rauner's old research outfit. So they came at, they're very much anti-union. They're very much anti-pension. They think it's a waste of money to invest in geezers like Ken. And I'm going to speak up for Ken Davis. The guy gave <laughs> right it Right after calling him a geezer. <laughs> well, you know, I'm a geezer too. You know, they, they put their time in. They, there was the deal. You talk about contractual deals. All right. And we just talked about this. Ken says, we well, can't compare them. Well, it's a contract. A contract's a contract, young Kenneth. If we're bound to pay $25 million up to for the lawyers for Lincoln Yards, go again. are we not bound by the same contractual agreement we'd have young Kenneth Davis? And I say the answer is yes, unless we're going to throw all contracts out the window. So, uh, listen, pension reform means pension cuts. That's what he means. And one more time, it's not as though these are a nonpartisan group of bean counters. These are very much partisan people. I mean, if you bring me on, at least say, Ben's a lefty, okay? Mm-hmm. And he's coming at it from a leftist perspective. So if you're going to have somebody from the Illinois Poli- Policy Institute talk about it, how they're in the business, they're in the game to eradicate unions. I just, let's put it out there. You know, a couple of, a couple of my very best friends uh, live in Wisconsin, lived in Wisconsin for 40 years. And one of them was uh, worked for the uh, University of Wisconsin. And um, they had a perfectly well-funded and beautifully managed pension system. And so everybody's fine. Everybody's been paid well. And until Walker got in and started cutting the pensions, even though even though it was everything was vested and the, everything was 100% right where it was supposed to be, they can it can work. There's 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 nothing difficult about maintaining a pension program you just as have long to maintain as you, as it you, maintain you have to maintain it. it right you can't spend money that you're supposed to invest in your pension programs on other things and it's a relatively small investment each year if you maintain it properly what happens is people go in there and start saying well we could maybe take a little pension vacation this year yes and by the way i would make this we talked earlier about how there's no objective debate where people take a look at an analyst analyze uh, analyze you know the pros and cons of anything i would argue i've not seen this that paying you ken davis just using you as an example since you're so kind to allow yourself to be used as an example uh to work for the city of chicago provide labor that was needed do things that people wanted on one level or another at least educated me from time to time uh and force you to live in the city of chicago because there's residency requirements is in of itself an investment in the city of chicago if we hire more nurses for the chicago public schools they will have to live in the city of chicago if they get a pension they're going to have to contribute to the current pension system we talk about needing to fortify our pension system one way to help fortify it at least at the at, at now you hire more nurses more librarians they pay into the pension system and by the way because the laws have changed they won't get the same same full benefits as older pensioners will get. Right. So I could make an argument, love to see the argument made by somebody in the city of Chicago that it's actually an investment in the city to spend public do- dollars on public employees. And let's not forget that these old geezers uh, are earning in their pensions, they're earning enough to live on. And so they stay in the city of Chicago. Not all, I mean, a lot of people go to Florida, but there are, there are a lot of people who stay in the city and they become 
like I would like to believe I am, just kind of like the, the kindly old guy who lives down at the end of the block. You know? who, who invests in his property, yeah, takes right. care of his property, right. uh, has renters that he takes care of. So this notion that we're just throwing our money away when we hire an employee like a nurse, uh, but we're not throwing our money away when we invest in Amazon, I think is uh, a phony op, uh, choice there. All right, we See, go. we totally agree. Look at that. What a nice moment. Guys. <laughs> that was a beautiful moment. That was great. Yeah. What can I say? We both don't think much about giving money to Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was ridiculous. We got one more piece of audio to play from this feller at the Illinois Policy Institute. But before we go to that, I want to read from our YouTube live stream chat room. Uh-oh. They're Wait, it's working? Well, I mean, they can hear it. Ah, it's just the show logo. I see. Okay. They can't see it, but they can hear it. Okay, cool. Hi there, everyone. Yeah. Hi there. All you right. can't see the, the great Groucho Marx yeah. disguise that Kenny borrowed from me. Believe me, nobody want to see me. I'm glad. I'm happy for Aww, this. Ken. I'm a radio guy. Ken, come on. Yeah. You, look great. you look great today, buddy. Can I tell you, I just, I'm not happy about my, the way I look. By the way, so Brianna weighed in. Nice breakdown, Ken Davis. No one calculates the return on investment when you uh, invest in kids. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great riff. Got fans out there, buddy. That was a great riff. A sincere moment. Jay Marie, though. Jay Marie's keeping Uh us honest this afternoon. Jay Marie says, You all are giving Lori Lightfoot too much credit today. Uh, Let's see here. Giving her credit for not being Rom is a bit tiring. Enough already. (laughs) Okay, there you go. How about about if I give her credit for the fact that she. Okay, she didn't. She didn't go along with the elected school board for now, but but she appointed a really good school board. Well, and I, they're doing. You know, I would argue. Okay, here we go. No, here we go. I would, yeah, I would yeah, argue yeah. that it, it's not a good school board if they just stand behind her and support her, whatever she does. That's true. That's, just That's like true. we're on the Lightfoot team school yeah, board yeah, as yeah, opposed well, to. Yeah. You know yeah. what, Ben? That's a that's a very good point. I, yeah. I concede that. All right, here's Adam Schuster from the Illinois Policy Institute. This is where they start. They play audio from Jesse Sharkey, and then he weighs in, and they start talking about tiffs. She's also sure. drawn the line, sort of a take it or leave it stance when it comes to the fact that she says the city has no more money. Jesse Sharkey, the CTU president, would disagree. I want to play something he said yesterday. Let's talk on the other side. 52% of the money that the taxing authority for tiffs comes out of the schools. That's been the dirty deal uh, for downtown development, for the development in the West Loop, for the development on River North, for the Riverwalk, for Wolf Point, for the uh, the $40 million arena uh, down there on Cermak, what's it, the Windrust Arena. Uh, you know, that's been the dirty little secret of development in the city. Some of those monies need to go back to our neighborhood schools so that we can deliver the educational quality that we need to deliver for students in poor neighborhoods. So yesterday, Anita and I had our political editor, Mike Flannery, sitting where you're sitting, and he said that business is the engine that keeps Chicago running, and that that's not really fair for Jesse to point out that there is money elsewhere with developments like the 78 and the Lincoln Yards. To that, you say what? Uh, I would first say that Mayor Lightfoot has declared the largest TIF surplus in Chicago history. $300 million in TIF funds will be returned to the city of Chicago. $163 million of that will go to Chicago Public Schools to help uh, offset the cost of the contract. So Mayor Lightfoot is listening to them, and she is using some of that money to help uh, close holes in the city budget and to help you know meet the, the teachers' union's demands. Um, however, you're right that he's also being a little bit inaccurate and describing the TIF program and the way it works, that money's earmarked for economic development. It wouldn't be there but for the economic development. Um, and so to say that all of that money can be swept and somehow used to, to meet their the teacher's demands, it's just inaccurate. I know you'd like that. Oh, my God. 
Come so on, are you Adams. joining the Illinois Policy I mean, Institute? come on, Illinois Policy <laughs> Institute. You're supposed to be like, you know, the watchdogs of the public purse. You sound like some press agent for Mayor Daly. Well, Ben, the TIF program is wonderful. Remember, Bert, you sound like Burton Natteris. Burton Natteris was the alderman of the 42nd Ward for anybody you know who's too young to remember. And uh, he was a big advocate of the TIF program, uh, Ken. And I remember a debate where he, uh, he was talking about if it wasn't for the TIF program and all its benefits, uh, downtown Chicago would be like Phoenix. And I think he, he had this thing of tumbleweeds blowing through that. <laughs> and I'm just like... I'm Listen to old boy Adam Schuster there. I'm like, you sound just like Burton Terrace. Here's the reality, folks. Oh, my God. I could go on and on about this. And I wish I'm really disappointed uh, in supposed fiscal watchdogs like the Illinois Policy Institute uh, for just voicing the propaganda of the TIF program. I'm going to remove, remove my lefty hat and put on my I hate paying taxes hat. And the reality is this, every that's time... That's your MAGA hat. That's my MAGA hat, yeah. Every time you create a TIF, you raise taxes on people. Ken and I discussed this on his old show. He used to bring me on the time. One more time, Ben, how does it work? <laughs> every time you create a TIF, you raise taxes on people because you limit amount of land that the taxing bodies can tax. The land in the TIF cannot be fully taxed for 23 years by the taxing bodies. So what do they have to do? They have to raise the rates on everybody. If Adam Schuster lives in the city of Chicago, I don't know where the kid lives, but if he's, let's say he lives in the city of Chicago, Mike Flannery lives in the city of Chicago. I've explained this to Flannery, and he lives in Beverly. Uh, you live in the city of Chicago, your tax bill is higher because of the TIFs. That's a fact, folks. You're paying more. You don't even know where the money's going to. It go, why do I call it a slush fund? Because the amount of money we turn over to the city for TIFs every year exceeds the amount of projects they budgeted for it. That's why we call it a slush fund. That's why Lori Lightfoot could dig into it yesterday and announce, hey, guess what I'm doing? I'm returning $300 million to you, the taxpayers, to pay all these obligations. I'm a fiduciary wizard. That Lightfoot impression's getting better and better, buddy. <laughs> Man, Schuster, you fall for that. That, that's slush. And as the head of, or some, I don't know what you are with the Illinois Policy Institute, you're some, something or other for them, you should be standing up against slush instead of, well, what a fiduciary wizard she is. She figured out a way to expend money. When that artery finally pops <laughs> and the ambulance comes to pick him up, at least we know that the city's going to get reimbursed for the that city, ambulance. Ken, correct. Is, we, we start off by talking about, let's have a legitimate discussion. How can you have a legitimate discussion in TIFFs when the fiscal watchdog from the right wing in the state of Illinois, the people, the very people who are supposed to be looking out for the interests of taxpayers are mouthing that stuff? They're not right enough. <laughs> they're not right in terms of capital R, and they're not right in, <laughs> in, in terms of lowercase r. You can't have a legitimate discussion about it. You can't say, well, it's a tax hike. It's a surcharge, and the amount you pay in property taxes that's dedicated to a slush fund controlled by the mayor. Do you think there's any possibility that people kind of understand it, and they think, well, you know, but we really do like the Riverwalk? Absolutely. And that was explained to me. Remember when you we started off, you said, Ben, you can't think of it as one pot? Mm -hmm. It was a daily administration budget director who sat me down right. and explained how it right. works. He yeah. goes, Ben, 
You're crusading against TIFs, and mm-hmm. we think of it as a tool to pay our bills. And the mayor tells us every year, you got to come up with X, Y, Z to pay all these bills. I don't care how you do it, just do it. And I want to be able to tell the people you're doing it without raising taxes. Mm-hmm. So they came up with this TIF program. Mm-hmm. I've raised the white flag on it, Ken. I think we should expand I heard that. it. Yeah. 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 I mean, if, if, if the Adam Schuster's of the world who represent <laughs> taxpayers go, oh my God, what a miracle program. If Mike Flannery, who is like the watchdog reporter for Fox TV, oh, Ben, it's economic development. If these guys are singing, what the, just let's turn the whole city into a giant TIF. We'll pay more money in taxes. But because it's a TIF, we won't think it's property taxes. Your tax bill will be going up, but you'll be like, well, it's not really going up, even though I'm paying more money. I'm a Chicagoan. I can think of two things at once, even if they're mutually exclusive. More money than Lori Lightfoot can hire the nurses. So you're saying book Adam Schuster for a Benny J. Bonus interview. <laughs> I think that's what you're saying. By the way, there wasn't Adam Schuster. I wonder if it's the same guy. Years ago, he used to a sports guy. Do you think it's the same guy? I'll look it up. Uh, Adam Schuster? I think his name was Adam Schuster. I'm Adam Schuster. That's I'm talking kind of about fun. sports. You get on the show and you just get to sit here and watch Ben. <laughs> His face is just completely flushed. He's sweating. He's like, oh man, that's my life every day yeah. now. <laughs> and then, he get, then we get on the uh, the train ride home. Uh, this little guy, you know, when we go past Trump Tower, hey Ben, that's yeah. my Ben. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then two minutes later, <laughs> Ben's just asleep. Like, wake up, dude. Oh, Adam Schuster. Good God. Oh, my God. Well, so much for the poor taxpayers well, there, Chicago. The other good news is there was no scoop and toss. Oh, yeah. That's a whole other thing. Scoop and toss. That's that uh, gimmick that, what was it, Daily or Rom came up with? Oh, no. Daily was doing that long before Rom. Where you, you take all your debt, you put mm-hmm. it into one lump thing, mm-hmm. and you throw it down. That's hence the scoop. Hence right. the, but, Okay, explain to me something, Ken. Mm-hmm. Now, you're our budget expert. <laughs> <laughs> you're our show's Adam Schuster. Yeah, uh, correct. Yeah. Economic development's good for the city. Right. Uh, please explain to me yeah. uh, how it is uh, that what she did is not scoop and toss. Uh... Jeez, you know, I thought I had, I thought I had this. All right. Uh, uh, I mean, I'm letting Lori Lightfoot down I, here. I there, just, there. yeah, I'm reading it, going, how? Because uh, there's always a challenge, I find. So the challenge is, I want to take what Lori Lightfoot said, or Mayor Rahm, or any mayor said, and put it in words that people can understand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so if I don't understand it because it doesn't seem to make sense. I can't do that. All right, here's the, here's the, th- here's the difference. The Rahm Emanuel way of doing things was to take all of the money, mm-hmm. uh, all of the debt, and throw it in a box, and then sell it to a bank, and then pay it off over 50 years, mm-hmm. right? And so this year, we're only, we're only responsible for like $5 million of that $50 billion that we just, we just sold off. What Lori Lightfoot is saying is that she refinanced $200 million. Was it 200 million or billion? Jeez, which was it? 200, 200 uh, million. Two million. Yeah, she, she refinanced $200 million and she put it into a five year program, which is going to be paid off over five years. And the savings from that 
is significant because it's a, a lower rate. It's a lower rate than the rate that this this debt was at before. Mm-hmm. So there's some amount of money. Well, no, actually, it was a lot more than $200 million. The saving was $200 yes. million. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. So she got $200 million, and that will come over five years. It's whatever that is, $40 million a year or something. And what she did was she booked it all this year, which is hinky, but... The point being that it used to be something that was over a lot longer terms and, and the numbers were way out of kilter. And by doing the $200 million this year, uh, I'm yeah. falling It's been a long show yeah. and we should end it anyway. Yeah. And I think uh, the reality is this. But she was credited by Ralph Martira, who I, I, I respect mm-hmm. over at the tax and Mm-hmm. Tax Accountability Office, um, who has been very critical of all the scoop and toss, and he said that this was this was a better way of doing things, and he agreed with booking it all in the first year and not in the next four years because there are going to be other things that are going to be able to take it. Blah, blah, blah. All right. So there you are. Well, it's uh, the way I always say is like refinancing your home at a lower interest rate, so it lowers the cost right. uh, that you're paying for your house. And so then you could spend uh, your money on other things like hiring a nurse. Let's say you just wanted to hire your own nurse. Right, right. So it all comes around. Right. All right. Enough has been uh, said on this show. We're going to take, we're going to end it for the day. I want to thank Ken Davis, of course, uh, young Kenny D, as we call him, Kenny for coming. D. Uh, Kenny D. And uh, Miles, it was a while ago. Miles was in the studio talking about chicken and other things. Chicken uh, and other things. And uh, great show as always. We owe it all to the young man from Alton, Illinois, the pride and joy of the 618. Back home, as Ken knows, they call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of no, petty cash. <laughs> Thank you, Ken. <laughs> See you tomorrow, everybody. They call Ken White Lightning. <laughs> and remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites, chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you download podcast downloaders. You can listen to this program live or watch it sometimes. All you got to do is go to the Bendrovsky Show uh, Facebook page, at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel. It's a great time. It's fun stuff. Go check it out. We'll see you tomorrow.